0: Hello, my friends. Uh, If you are online in the lost sphere, you know that but three days before this podcast was set to premiere, a, for lack of a better word, expose (laughs) about some of the behavior in the writer's room and the environment um, in the... It's difficult to describe. In the making of, in regards to the creative's etc. was uh, revealed. This podcast was obviously recorded significantly far in advance and in fact we have two other episodes that have been recorded before this news broke. We obviously find the things that were said reprehensible um, and we are planning on putting a small episode with our thoughts. I don't want to really say our statement <laughs> that makes us seem more important than we are, I think. But um basically our thoughts and plans moving forward, that's going to come out a week from today, the day that we are putting this out. Um so June 9th and um yeah, until then, sorry for all the compliments <laughs> that we give them uh this episode. Um, I meant them at the time. Minkowski's nose starts bleeding and Desmond goes, Uh-oh, that's the universal sign for I've got brain problems and I'm gonna die. <laughs> uh, uh-oh for you, sir. That's a big oopsie. That's not so good. Hello and welcome to our Lost Podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 28-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And predictably, our fun fact for this episode is who or what is your constant?
1: Can I guess yours? Can I guess yours? Can I guess yours? Okay. Is it your dog?
0: Listen, the dog was definitely like there, but then I started thinking like, okay, but if it's like, if I'm jumping into the future, then it's the dog. If I'm jumping into the past...
1: Oh, sure. You did not have said dog. Dog
0: ain't there. He was not alive. He was, he was, he was not even a thought. He he was pre-baby. He was not even an embryo. I was thinking I might choose my mom. Cute. Yeah. I also was just like, okay, well, Dan talks about it like it could be an object or something. And then Desmond's the one who makes it a person. And so I'm just like, I I literally can't think of a constant as an object though, weirdly (gasps) enough. Like I can only think of it as a person. Mine is. I can't even think about. Mine
1: is not a, not an object, but it's not a person.
0: okay great you know what your turn you go
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're like i gotta hear this
0: i want to hear what this is quick
1: all right all right all right my name is casey wall i'm a 26 year old writer from rhode island i like sapphic ships and collecting plants you can follow me on twitter at casey watches tv or at lf candle co where i make pop culture inspired candles and my constant is not a who it is a what it is a Mm -hmm. song And the song is Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. That's
0: amazing. Interesting.
1: It is my baby song. Like when I was a screaming infant, it was the only thing that would get me to... Jasper, you choose now to be awake. Um... (laughs) Sorry, my sleeping dog who has now arisen right as we started. When I was an infant, it was the only song that like would get me to sleep. And Mm. then when I was like a younger child, when I was like having nightmares or I was scared, my dad had, he burned a CD of the song and it was just like that song like 12 times in a row. And I would just put that on all night. And now when I think of it, it just makes me think of my mom, my dad. And comfort and good things. So that is my constant. That
0: is so cool. I can definitely see like a version of this episode where the constant is a song. Like that makes total sense to me. Right hmm and would be so cool I feel like make
1: your own kind of music come on
0: yeah <laughs> running up that hill for sure you know oh
1: my god yeah <laughs> that's a constant that's max's constant for sure <laughs> exactly
0: and uh this episode's guest is sam yay, yay!
1: I love her <laughs> me
0: too hi Um,
1: Can I just do my bio from our regular Mm podcast? Hi, I'm Samantha Coley,
0: and I'm a 30-year-old news editor at Collider. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. I know you are.
1: (laughs) This is brand new information.
0: (laughs) Who would your, or who or what would your constant be, Sam? My constant would be my wife. Uh, I was about to be like, my wife, right? (laughs) My wife. Who could have predicted? Yeah. No, it's it's Brittany. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to spend the rest of my life with her. So if I'm going into the future, obviously. Yeah. And our friendship dates back to like the early 2010s. So mm-hmm. so you should be safe. I think I'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's freaking cute. So we had you on recently at the end of uh, of season three. People may remember, but do you want to sort of just bring people back up to date if uh, they can't remember about your relationship with the show and stuff like that? Sure, sure. I personally can't remember what I said last time, so... (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) So, yeah, my relationship with the show, I watched it in, I think, I watched the entire thing in, like, December, January 2015 turning into 2016. Binged it during a Henry and Cusick hyperfixation. Understandable. (laughs) And, yeah, I I haven't rewatched the whole show, I think, since that first time, but I've watched Mm -hmm. several episodes multiple times, including and especially this one, uh, Mm -hmm. which is definitely the one I've seen the most. It also, like even though I only saw it in its entirety once it did instantly solidify its place in my memory as like an iconic show. And Mm -hmm. I honestly, it fits into the same category in my brain as uh, Battlestar Galactica, which is the show that I was obsessed with when this was airing live and Mm -hmm. with Bates Motel, which is the show Carlton did after Lost. So uh, those three sort of like fit together in my brain um, as Mm -hmm. like iconic pieces of like media that i'm interested in and yeah yeah and uh my and then who are some of your faves my faves are uh desmond juliet saeed and son and then non-islander bonus penny hmm relevant for this episode (laughs) just a bit just a bit that works out really well great well casey you're lying highly anticipated episode uh i can't believe we finally made it here um go ahead yeek Today
1: we have words to say about episode 405 of Lost, the constant.
0: It's the constant. So the constant is a value that remains constant forever. So a constant has a fixed value and its value cannot be changed by any variable. And I just love that one of the most famous episodes of this whole show is named after math. (laughs) <laughs> we love it. We stand Later in my notes, I bring up the fact...
1: It's an extremely educational show.
0: Yes, absolutely. And uh, later in my notes, I bring up the fact that this episode actually has a sister episode called The Variable in um, in season five, uh, oh. which I also love. So I'm really excited about that. Um, the broadcast date, February 28th, 2008. Um, it was written by Carlton and Damon, of course, um, and directed by Jack Bender. Three absolute powerhouses behind this one, of course. Um, I've got a bunch of episode fun facts about this that came from Lostpedia. So Damon and Carlton call this arguably their favorite episode of Lost, and it is also many viewers' favorite, of course. It has a 9.7 out of 10 on IMDb, which is extremely high if you've been on IMDb, because there's a lot of critics on IMDb who seem to think that uh, everybody needs to hear their bad opinions. Well, it's also because you can basically purchase a voting level imdb thing and you can buy the tank stuff but this one deserves its 9.7 yeah this is the first episode that doesn't use flashbacks or flash forwards we experience desmond's flashes as he does chronologically through both time periods this is the first episode to contain neither a flashback nor a flash forward because his consciousness from 1996 is traveling between 1996 and 2004 within the context of the present time narrative which is basically what i just said and so if you're wondering what about flashes before your eyes it also has desmond sort of time travel, but only in the context of a flashback that spans almost the entire episode. So the flashes before your eyes was technically a flashback, but this is not a flashback or a flash forward. So it's the first episode that, ev- that never had any flashes technically. Would you technically call this a flash sideways? Interesting. Cause Maybe. it's not, it's not a flash sideways in the sense of the later, like those episodes later, uh-huh. but it's, it's a flash sideways in my brain In that he is still, he's the same, but he's sliding, I don't know, sideways for himself? Kind of. Yeah. I don't know. Because the thing is that, like, when his consciousness goes back in 1996, like, that stuff didn't actually happen. Like, he didn't. It's, like, hard to figure out because. Well, actually, it did because he went back to Penny's house and got her. I mean, it had to have happened, yeah. Her phone number. So, like, right. it sort of. Yeah, I guess, like, whatever happened, happened, right? So, like, mm-hmm. that stuff in 1996, except 2003, Desmond or whatever, didn't remember that stuff that happened in Mm-mm. 1996 because it hadn't happened to him at the time. Maybe. I. Anyway, it's very confusing. <laughs> but um yeah. Well, you can't change you can't change the future, but you can maybe change the past? Maybe. This is season five stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is season five stuff. Okay, so this episode also features only two main characters from season one, which is Jack and Saeed. Um, it's the fewest of any episode until Jughead in season five. Um, this episode also features only six main characters, which tied with Man from Tallahassee and goes slightly behind A Tale of Two Cities, not in Portland and Stranger in a Strangeland, um, because there were only five main characters in those episodes. And then Dead is Dead is an episode in season six, I believe, and it only has four. So that's the winner for least amount of main characters in a whole, (laughs) in an episode. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. This episode was nominated for, but did not win. Stupid. The 2009 Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation Short Form. It was the first time a lost episode had been nominated for this prestigious fan-voted science fiction award since Pilot Part 1 and Pilot Part 2 were nominated in 2005. Also, you guys will be able to speak upon this. uh, The finale of Star Trek The Next Generation, which is called All Good Things, features Captain Picard in three different timelines. He becomes unstuck in time, just like Desmond, and um, Desmond's trip to contact Daniel at Oxford is reminiscent of Picard's trip to visit Data at Cambridge. In the commentary, Damon confirmed that All Good Things was a big influence in writing this episode, and Mark Goldman, who was also on the commentary, he was the main editor of this episode, he states that he took inspiration from the episode's editing style in deciding how to piece together Desmond's time jumps, and I'll be talking about... Out, uh the commentary quite a lot because um it's a really good commentary nice what are your guys thoughts on that star trek things
1: i love it i love it i told robin earlier i just rewatched all good things this morning and oh, nice. my, my god it's it's the same thing mm-hmm. but like this was filmed in like what 80s When, when did? Yeah, uh, late, mid-90s. Mid-90s, all right, timeline is all wrong. So, like, seeing the editing style in that episode, and, like, I mean, the editing in The Constant is crazy, and then you think about how they were doing that 10... Fifteen years earlier, mm-hmm. it was oh, it was just so crazy, and yeah, it's it's quite literally, it's not the same exact story, but it's so mm-hmm. similar in that like it's Picard moving through time, and mm-hmm. unlike Desmond, though, Picard does go to the future, which Desmond doesn't do. Mm. But there are so many similarities. He also
0: he does also go to the
1: past, though. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah there are just so so many similarities, and it was really cool to watch because I watched The Constant last night, and I watched All Good Things this morning, and I'm like. They are siblings.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I totally agree with Casey. Like I rewatched it a week or so ago preparing for Star Trek Picard and you can absolutely see the like roots of what would later become this episode in, in, Mm -hmm. in all good things. And like just the, the way that they use those transitions, like Casey said, is so spot on. Like it's, it's clearly a reference and they clearly watched this and like were inspired by it. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a big fan of both episodes and I think that they both ultimately achieve the same goal. And I think that they're honestly, possibly an iteration on the It's a Wonderful
1: Life trope. Oh, yes. Because they both serve
0: a like purpose of teaching this person like a lesson about love. And that is also like the point of It's a Wonderful Life is to like look at this flash sideways of your life or of the world if it if you didn't exist and so this is like giving you a flash of like all the different possibilities of your life sort of in all good things and then with Desmond it's teaching him like what grounds him and what like he values out of life and like his love for Penny yeah I don't
1: know I just think it's a yeah it's a cool riff on yeah
0: it's very like ghost of Christmas past ghost of Christmas future a little bit yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah, and it's kind of just like, instead of... kind
0: And it's Christmas! Oh my god, I didn't even mean to do that.
1: And it's Christmas! <laughs> and it's Christmas! Oh my god, it is. What I really like, though, is that it's not just kind of reiterating that same format. It's kind of twisting it on its head. Like, yeah, instead exactly. of just going directly forward and directly back, you're sliding side to side. Because even in All Good Things, Picard's not going back to a past that happened. He's creating mm-hmm. a different past. Exactly. Everything in all the various timelines are affecting each other. So that's what I think is like the coolest part is is that it's not just straightforward. Here is your past. Here is your present. Here is your future. It's it's much more complicated than that. And all good things in the constant really explore kind of like that side to side motion of timelines. Absolutely. Which is extremely confusing, but super cool.
0: Yeah. I was just saying to Casey right before we started um, recording that I think that it's telling that one of the most beloved and critically acclaimed episodes of this show was inspired by a Star Trek episode. hmm Yeah. And And I think that's funny because, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about this, but I feel like some critics, not all critics, because some critics know what they're talking about, but uh, some critics probably, like, think that Star Trek is, like, goofy and not real television, you know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. I just think it's funny that, like, they can watch an episode like this and be like, that's art! That's television! And not know that, like, it was just a reiteration of a Star Trek episode. I think that's great.
1: It's like, look at the blueprint. (laughs)
0: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I I think a lot of people who, like who didn't watch star trek would would say that on uh just like as an outside observation Mm -hmm. but like if you did watch star trek you know it's absolutely it is goofy but it's also incredible like yeah it it, gets you a girl who can do both yes Um,
1: my recommended reading is any of sam's star trek articles (laughs) she will show you the heart of star trek And the goofiness. I love you. Get you a show who can do
0: both. And if you're wondering where I can find these articles, hey, there's (laughs) a link in the description under the Sam section. Hey, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I also did write a note in my, like, while I was watching that I think we could discuss now, which is that, mostly because I think I'm the only one that has seen this other show Mm. the stuff with uh Desmond slipping between like timelines and like the transitions of it I think Carlton Carroll carried over really well to Bates Motel Mm -hmm. because Bates Motel is a prequel to the Alfred Hitchcock psycho uh story and so Norman Bates is a like murderer but he doesn't know that he's a murderer because he slips into a different conscious where consciousness where he thinks when he does it that gotcha. and he thinks that he's his mother when he's doing it so the I think that I, I could see having rewatched watched Bates recently and then going back and rewatching this one I could see how he sort of carried over that concept in that mm-hmm. character um just in a
1: different way and in a to use it differently but it had had echoes of this gotcha that's yeah. cool that's so cool it's such a cool storytelling tool. I
0: I wouldn't put it past Carlton to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. There. So yeah, there wasn't a uh, lost on location, and in that, Jack Bender said that he really worked on guiding Ian's performance, so the level of hysteria built. Ian said that he numbered the scenes and like rates them on a one to ten scale of how panicked he's supposed to be, and I just think that he does a pretty good job because it must have been really difficult because they shot like so deeply out of order this episode and like not even in it like in in other tv shows and in this tv show it's like once the scene is over the scene is over you know and then you're like okay Mm -hmm. that scene happened or whatever but he's like straight up in the middle of a scene when they cut to like i don't know a month later filming or something you know like Mm -hmm. yeah he had to like recreate the exact way that he was like saying the rest of a sentence sometimes
1: oh my god That's so crazy.
0: But I was also saying that I think it's funny that he rated them on a scale of panic because it really felt like we just started at 10. He kept going at 10 and then it went down rather than going up. Sometimes. Like, now that I've said that, though, I think that in the separate, like, e- in each timeline, it mm-hmm. it crosses over and goes backwards.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, does that make
0: sense? Like, in the island timeline, he, it, he starts at a 10 and goes down. And mm-hmm. then in the other timeline, he starts at a 1 and goes up. Oh, oh interesting. Yes. No, because, I completely agree. Because in that one, he's just like, oh, I had a weird dream. I don't know. This is... My life is getting weird. And then it it, it ends up with, am I going to die? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Because that's the timeline he thinks he's supposed to be in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just think it's a,
0: I wonder if he, if they had numbers per timeline. I bet they did. Yeah. (laughs) Probably. I don't know. This episode's a masterpiece. We all agree. Before we get into the actual recap of the episode, um, I just had a couple of thoughts from listeners. So uh, one of the things that I can't, I came up with that I can't believe I didn't bring up last episode. But John brings Ben a book when Ben is a prisoner in a room. And that was like totally a parallel to season two. Super. Um, Because like John, he would bring him breakfast, which I think I brought up. But then I forgot, I guess, that like he also would bring him books and Ben like wouldn't read them. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, like, exactly what's happening. (laughs) What what was happening last episode. Um, And then also, uh, our friend of the pod, Maria, our 402 episode just recently came out for Confirmed Dead. And uh, Casey, David, and I had a conversation about, like, the Oceanic hotline that um, Frank calls in his flashback. And who among the family members of the Oceanic uh, survivors would have called the Oceanic hotline? And Maria slid into my DMs to say, excuse me, I think Miss Helen Norwood would have called the Oceanic hotline. Line to talk about Locke.
1: Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. for
0: sure. And I thought that that was nice t- to bring up. Um, and so now we're gonna do our recap. Uh, we're going to cover this chronologically, of course, because it is chronological for Desmond. I think it would have been so deeply weird for us to try to cover this 2004 to, to 1996. <laughs> that would have been so confusing. <laughs> weirdly enough sam, the last episode sam was on was also chronological which we like hardly ever do on this <laughs> podcast so i thought that was like kind of weird but sam you chose this episode or i think you this was the first episode that was ever like called like it was the first one that was ever spoken for <laughs> and so shout out sam was like i get in on the ground floor i literally was thinking about it like the other night and i was like I don't even remember when I claimed this, but because it was so long ago. It was six years ago.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, past Sam. Yeah, yeah.
0: So we're going to do our recap and we're just going to go ahead and recap the whole thing. So uh, Casey did the first half and I did the second half.
1: Yeah. All right. So buckle your seatbelts. This is a bit of a long one. I tried to keep it short, but there's a lot of moving parts here. So <laughs> I did my best. We open with Desmond, Saeed, and Lapidus flying in the helicopter on their way to the freighter. Desmond is looking at a photograph of him and Penny. Lapidus, meanwhile, is flying them directly into a thunderstorm, trying to maintain the precise coordinates Verde gave him. Desmond grips his seat through the turbulence when he is suddenly transported to his bed in a military barrack, being yelled at by his sergeant for ignoring the wake-up call. Desmond heads into military drills where he describes a vivid dream of being on a helicopter. Only moments later, Desmond finds himself back in the helicopter, panicked. Said asks if he's alright, to which Desmond replies asking who he is. On the island, Jack and Juliet are trying to figure out why the helicopter hasn't gotten to the freighter yet. Noticing that Charlotte and Faraday are not overly concerned, they pry them for information, which leads Faraday to reveal that time passes, quote-unquote, differently off the island. Interesting. More on that later. Back on the <laughs> helicopter, Said is trying to keep Desmond calm as Lapidus lands on the freighter. Once they land, Desmond continues to panic, screaming that he doesn't know anyone or why he's there. He shouts that he's not supposed to be there, instantly flashing back to his military drills. He tries to explain the occurrences to his friend in his platoon, saying that these aren't just dreams. He recalls that he was holding a photo of Penny on the helicopter, and as he makes his way to a phone booth to call her, he's brought back to the freighter, where two men, Kimi and Omar, are walking him to sickbay. They lock Desmond in, and as he continues to fight back, he hears another voice in the room. We pan to George Minkowski, who is strapped to a bed and says to Desmond that he has it too. Said gets the phone from Frank, and he makes contact with the people on the island. He explains what happened to Desmond, and Faraday seems concerned. He explains that if the people have been subjected to high amounts of radiation or electromagnetism, leaving the island can cause strange side effects. And, well... We know Desmond's story. <laughs> on the freighter, Desmond meets a doctor named Ray, who comes to sedate Minkowski. He asks Desmond about his symptoms. When Desmond is flashed back to the phone booth, he makes contact with Penny, who isn't thrilled to be hearing from him, given that he did break up with her unexpectedly and then ran off to join the army. Desmond tries to explain what's going on and begs to see Penny, but she refuses. Desmond finds himself back in sickbay, where Lapitus and Saeed burst through the door with with the phone. They give it to Desmond so that he can talk to Faraday. When Desmond says that he believes the year to be 1996, Faraday instructs him to go to Oxford. There he will find Faraday. He gives Desmond specific instructions for when he gets there, including some sort of device settings, as well as a phrase to repeat if Oxford Faraday doesn't believe him. Kimi and Omar force themselves through to stop the call just as Desmond flashes back to the phone booth. Desmond heads to Oxford where he finds a young Daniel Faraday. He introduces himself and super calmly explains that, um, he's from the future. Faraday is unconvinced, thinking the whole stunt is a joke. As Faraday begins to walk away, Desmond reveals the instructions that Island Faraday gave him. And when that is not enough to convince him, he says the secret phrase. He knows about Eloise. Bum, bum, bum.
0: Dan takes Des into his office. He introduces him to Eloise, his rat. Um, He inputs the numbers that Desmond gave him into his machine, using it on Eloise. She successfully runs the maze, even though she hasn't been taught how to yet. Dan says, oh, hey, thanks for your help. And Des is like, oh, you're supposed to help me. Jumping to 2004, Kimi takes the phone away from Des. Kimi, Omar, and Frank uh, leave Said and Des alone with the guy on the bed. He introduces himself as George Minkowski, the communications officer. He reveals that they get calls from Penny, but they never answer them. In 1996, Des wakes after being out for 75 minutes. While he was out, Eloise had some sort of brain problem and died. Des is worried the same thing will happen to him. Dan explains that Des needs a constant, something that he has in both times, to anchor him. Des chooses Penny as his constant, but when he tries to call her, the number's been disconnected. He passes out in a stairwell on his way out. In 2004, Des tells Saeed and Minkowski that he needs to call his girlfriend. Minkowski offers to take them to the radio room because the door is just magically unlocked and open now. In 1996, Des goes to an auction for a journal from the Black Rock. Charles Widmore is there, and in the bathroom, he asks for Penny's new address. Charles gives it to him, but Des passes out before he can take it. Saeed, Des, and Minkowski get to the radio room where it's completely screwed up. Saeed can fix it, but Des needs to know Penny's phone number. Minkowski's brain goes to the past, but it can't make it back, and he dies. In 1996, Des wakes up in the bathroom and heads to Penny's. She's understandably upset because the man that broke her heart keeps showing up to open new wounds. She hears him out and he tells her he needs to know her phone number so he can call her in eight years. She says, hey, what a weird ass thing to say. (laughs) She gives him the number and he memorizes it, telling her not to change it. In 2004, he gives Saeed the number and when he calls, Penny answers. He explains where he's been and she tells him that she's been searching for him and knows about the island. They vow to find each other and come together again and the phone line disconnects. Desmond remembers everything now and thanks Said for his help. On the beach, Dan finds an entry in his journal that says his constant would be Desmond, which is gay as hell. Oh, the romance. <laughs> Beautiful, Love it. so we start with Desmond looking at the picture of he and Penny, um, and Frank is sitting there making sure that he stays on the bearing. On Laspedia it said, Frank is told by Daniel to follow a bearing of 305, which is a northwest direction. Echo's stick bore the inscription, lift up your eyes and look north, which was John 305, which Locke later followed as a bearing as well. And Ben told Michael and Walt to follow a bearing of 325, uh, to find rescue. Um, I had recently uh rewatch Live Together, Die Alone, part two with my parents and, um, when he said a bearing of 325, and I had rewatched this one to do my notes, I was like, that's a different bearing! Oh no! Oh no. So I just, like, I wonder if that was purposeful? Like, I wonder if it's, like, the, the Desmond thing sort of went wrong because he was slightly off? Oh. Like, because Dan had the bearing slightly wrong? Because I assume that Ben knows what the bearing is. Like, if I was to trust anybody, it would be the person who's been on the island for a million years, you know? Right. So yeah, I don't know. What, what was... What What's Faraday's be- bearing again? 305. 305. And-, and Ben gives them 325. 325? Yeah. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Because like like you said, Ben's been here so much longer. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably intentional. Yeah. If I was going to guess, I would trust Ben probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I know Dan's a physicist or whatever, but like, you know, it's Ben. <laughs> so Saeed asks, what is this bearing thing? And... <laughs> Frank is like, it's a bearing. And Saeed's like, do you not know where your own boat is? And he's like, oh yeah, I do. I do know where my boat is. Okay. Yeah. Saeed points out that he's flying right into the Thunderhead. Me? I didn't know what that was. Apparently it's just like the giant stormy ass cloud where there's going to be a thunderstorm. But I was like, Thunderhead? What does that mean? Um, I would have just called it like the storm cloud, but whatever. Saeed's smarter than me, so that's fine. And so Saeed's like, hey, um, why are you doing that? And Frank is like, hey, stop backseat driving. (laughs) Can
1: you fly a helicopter? They're literally a married couple. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so Said asks uh, Desmond about Penny. And he points out that she said to Charlie that she didn't know about this boat. So what are we going to get when we get there? And Desmond says answers, which is a great line. Great beginning mm. to an episode where like, you don't know what's going to happen. You just think they're going to get to the boat and they're going to get answers, which is great. Right. And like, they do get some answers. Yeah, for sure. Just not the way that we thought. Mm-mm. So there's all of this turbulence and lightning. And another thing that I thought maybe helped, like, trigger the electromagnetic anomaly inside of Desmond, I thought is maybe because they're, like, going right into the, uh, into the lightning.
1: Oh, yeah. Since it
0: was an electromagnetic thing. Mm. And this is electric. I don't know. That's another mm-hmm. thing that I had. But so Desmond's, like, freaking out. Yeah, no, I think that works. Mm-hmm. Snap into 1996. And it's such a great uh, transition of, um, like, the hand is yeah. a really good one. Like, all the transitions are so well done. And so he's in bed, short hair, military barrack. And yeah, all of these transitions and everything is why they have, like, the main editor on the commentary. His name is Mark Goldman. So if you're hearing me throughout this episode uh, talk about Mark, that's who Mark is. And one of my favorite things about all of the transitions that I sort of, like, reiterate every single transition. So I'm just going to say it now, so I don't have to say it every single time. But something that Mark really worked on was um, the, s- the loudness to silence or opposite. It makes it like so good because it's like alarm blaring, silence, or Mm -hmm. like giant storm, silence. Um, or the opposite it like switches back but it's it's very very it's just so um like what's the word i don't like it's not meaningful jarred, but, like it's really it, yeah and it's powerful yeah yeah
1: yeah it it's like it, it kind of gives you whiplash you're like holy yeah holy yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's really it's really good well really well done um it gets the point across really well speaking of the editing i mm-hmm. i feel like even um i recently watched um everything everywhere all at once and yeah it's a multiverse movie so i can see like even that maybe borrowing some from the way that this episode is edited mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So the sergeant is like, dude, get up. And Desmond's like, sorry, I was having a dream. And the sergeant's like, oh, what was your little dream about? <laughs> what are you dreaming about? He's like, oh, I guess I'll be, I don't know, an honest um, <laughs> helicopter storm. I don't know. And he's like, well, at least it was about the military. And it's like, right about that. <laughs> not, not exactly. Yep. I'll just let you believe that. So he says everyone needs to be ready in four minutes. And because of Hume, it's double time. So that means it's regularly. Eight minutes that they have to get ready in. So there you go for four. Enter eight there. Wow. So they're all doing push-ups and crunches in the mud in the rain. Catch me not ever being able to be in the military. I already knew that about <laughs> myself, but like I would, it's not worth it. I would no. not be doing that. And so his friend, which I think later we get his name, not in the text, but in uh the credits, I think his name. Yeah, his name's Billy. And so he's talking to Billy, and he's like, "Hey, I hope your dream was worth it." And Desmond's like, I'm sorry, it was just so weird because it was so, like, real feeling. And the sergeant asks, like, what what's going on? He's just like, stop gossiping. So Mark, in the commentary, he said, it was such a liberating thing to be able to edit in a way which would normally be mistakes, just cutting right in the middle of a scene, cutting to anything. When I first read the script, I was like, this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. And it was fun, Mark. Ugh. I hope you had a great time. I love that. <laughs> so Desmond immediately goes back to the 2004 and he's like, hey, what's happening? <laughs> well, this is weird. Because like at least Desmond in 1996 was sleeping at the time. So he was able to be like, that was a dream. And now he's like fully awake and he's just yeah. like, I'm confused about what is a dream now. Mm-hmm. So they get through the storm and um, while they're like in the helicopter and everything, they shot this uh, on location at the Hawaii Museum of Flying right beside Pearl Harbor. And it absolutely killed me to know that because when I went to Pearl Harbor with my family, we went to the Museum of Flying. Oh my God. And I didn't know that they shot there. Oh my God. That's insane. <sighs> so now I just have to like know that that happened and I didn't re- relish in it when I was there, which Aww. is too bad. Oh guys to see other lost locations though then right it is true yeah <laughs> it is true but I I want to see all of them it's not the same though yeah well because like we went to like a little swap meet or it was like it was almost like a little farmers market kind of that was right outside of that um stadium that Desmond and Jack do the like steps when they first meet mm. at uh we didn't get to go inside because it was like just like o- outside of it was like a uh, it was like a farmer's market that sort of just encircled the um stadium just i guess there's like so much like parking and space just outside the stadium mm-hmm. and so like the fact that i i and i didn't know also that that was the stadium either at the time so i just like oh, i just needed to be better wow. informed at the time i just needed to be better informed <laughs> so desmond fully in the air in a storm tries to unbuckle his seatbelt, and say so he's like <laughs> excuse me whoa uh what are we doing and desmond doesn't recognize him oh, devastating awkward huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, on Lostpedia, it said the helicopter is in flight to the freighter, but the RPM and oil pressure gauges seen while viewing Daniel's map taped to the instrument panel both read zero, which indicate <laughs> the engine just turned off. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oopsie. Um, it also said this might be a result of the helicopter being struck by lightning on the way to the island. So like if we want to be gracious, we can give that to them. But also it looks like the engine's turned off while they're, <laughs> while they're flying. <laughs> oopsie.
1: Sure, it was the lightning.
0: Yeah. So, on the beach, um, Dan and Charlotte are, like, they, they've found a way, not Dan and Charlotte, but, like, the survivors have found a way of, like, making hot water, which is really cool. Um, And so they're just sort, sort of pouring this hot water. And Jack is, like, still worried about the phone, understandably. So, I'm gonna assume that this phone is, like, solar-powered, because I feel like it would be out of juice by now. Definitely. It's been, like, days, and it's, like, always on. So, my guess is that it's solar-powered, but I don't see any little solar-power... Does it have a crank? ...things on it. Did they have solar-power stuff in I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. Because if it has a crank, I could see that being like a possibility. But I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to also go with solar power. Google something really stupid. Um, solar energy. When was it invented? <laughs> oh, good. 1954. We're good. <laughs> We're good. I was like, I know this is going to be like the 1800s <laughs> or some crap. and I'm just like, did they have solar power by 2004? <laughs> just got to be sure. So Jack is like, why haven't we heard from our friends? And Charlotte's like, I can't tell you this enough. I don't know. (laughs) I literally not, don't know. I'm not on the freighter. I don't know. Um, Like, you heard the same thing we did. Why do you think that I seem to know more than you guys do? And Juliet, good point, says, maybe because you're not freaking out. And like- She's so good. Yeah. Julia's just like, I'm not an idiot.
1: <laughs> I love Julia and Charlotte.
0: She's so smart because she literally like, yeah, she notices these things. She's really observant. And she just finds like the most biting time <laughs> to, to bring up the observations that she makes, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she's just like, hmm, I notice. She doesn't go over to them late, like earlier. And it's just like, I noticed you're not freaking out. And that kind of, that's kind of weird. Like, why do you do that? Like later, she's just like, oh, I'm here to absolutely destroy you. It's
1: so funny. With the
0: observation that I made three hours ago. It's like a... She, she deploys it so expertly, like, it's such a mic drop moment every time she does it. Mm -hmm. It really is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they're like, it should have taken, taken them like 20 minutes to get there. So why aren't you worried? And Charlotte's like, oh, okay, I'll say a little prayer. (laughs) <laughs> so that so that they'll be okay. It's the best. It's just like Dan and Frank go together so well and I really feel like Charlotte and Miles go together so well, which is really cool cuz oh, yes. like they're so similar cuz I mean Miles does the same stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So Dan says, let's just tell them. And Charlotte's like, well, now you have to because like, <laughs> because you now said you've that. made it weird. You said that in front of them. And now they know now they know there's something that you need to, that we have to tell them. We can't take it back now. That is a man who cannot pick up on social cues. Mm-mm. If I was Charlotte, I'd be like, you did not let me have any agency in that in that in that decision at all, by the way. just to, <laughs> Just so you're sure. Just so you know. He's so bad at being sneaky. <laughs> so Charlotte's like, like I, that's going to confuse them. Just always think about when he was like,
1: yeah, you're on speaker. Uh, Jack, can you go to the side so I can have a private conversation? <laughs> <laughs> He's
0: like, sorry. Um, yeah.
1: And Jack's like, yeah, sure. That's not suspicious at all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, so Charlotte's like, well, let's not confuse them. And Juliet's like, well, why don't you talk real slow and maybe these two literal surgeons can follow right. what you're going to say?
1: Oh, uh, snaps.
0: It's so good.
3: All right. They took off a day ago. Why haven't we heard from
1: them? I'm going to tell you again, as
2: I've been telling you all night, Doctor. I don't know. You heard the same thing as I did when we called the boat. What makes you think I know anything? Because you're not worried.
3: Excuse me? Your boat's 40 miles off the coast. It should have taken them, what, 20 minutes to get there? So why aren't you worried? Or should I wring my hands together and whisper
2: a prayer on their behalf? Okay, hey, hey, hey. Come
3: on maybe we should just just tell him tell us what dan
2: let's not confuse anyone
3: well daniel maybe if you talk real slow we'll be able to follow
0: so dan says okay the perception of time here isn't actually like how long they've been gone and jack's like what and charlotte's like see i told you they wouldn't get it let's just give up Let's not tell them anymore. (laughs) See, they're confused. I told you. So Dan says, as long as Frank flies on the bearing, it's gonna be fine. If he didn't then some weird stuff might happen. I don't know. Okay, so that makes me think that he didn't. I wonder. It's like he threw, flew into the storm, so like it wasn't possible. Yeah, I think that the storm is what threw them off. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like we see in that first shot when Lepidus is flying, we see the the bearing just slightly tilt. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like there's a specific shot on the yeah the compass thing. Mm-hmm, so. Yeah. And it's no fault of of Lapidus's, of course, because he's a genius fl- pilot. Exactly. It's true. It's, it's it's all on the storm. But I think it's funny that Dan's like, Well, if he didn't, then um there might be some side effects and some things might go wrong. And I'm like, Well, it's been like two days and it's supposed to have taken twenty minutes, so maybe we already know that something went wrong. Don't we?
1: <laughs> yeah, bit of a red flag there.
0: <laughs> no, we already know. So back in the helicopter, Said's like, Bro, stop taking off your seatbelt. We're literally in the air. <laughs> and Desmond's freaking out that they know his name because he doesn't know them. And Frank says, Just hold on to him for two more minutes. We're almost there. On Last pd it said, as the helicopter approached the freighter a sign near the landing pad indicated the name of the ship which is kahana kahana means the drawing of a line cutting or turning point in the hawaiian language there you go and of course they named the kahana as a tribute to the fact that they were um shooting in hawaii and all the people uh of hawaii who like welcomed them and um helped them and everything wow so they land the helicopter desmond sees like the photo that he has and he's like wait i know that lady Okay, wait, there's something There's something here that I know. Foreshadowing. Yeah, for sure. I think that, like, it was, this was already, like, him being, like, this was the only thing that he recognized, and I mm-hmm. feel like if this happened to anyone else, I don't know George Minkowski's story, but I feel like if it happened to me, I wouldn't be, like, so worried about it because I, like, have access to anything that could anchor me. You know, in the past, like, I'm still around the things that I grew up with, basically, and, like, for him, he has been off on an island for three years. There's quite literally every every single thing is foreign to him Mm -hmm. from eight years ago Uh you know so that's why I think that that like really ups the stakes too yeah honestly (laughs) this is gonna sound insane but like shout out to uh the iPhone because oh yeah yeah honestly like I have stuff on my phone from like seven eight years ago when I had a completely (laughs) different phone so yeah right 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 like I have access to so many pictures like the one Desmond has that would help me remember like the people who care about me. Yeah, for sure. So Kimi and Omar come over and welcome to Kimi. Um, I hate your guts, man. (laughs) Uh, you're horrible. Uh, He makes good eggs. He does make good eggs, that's true. Completely out of context for anybody who hasn't seen the rest of the show, but he (laughs) does make good eggs for sure. If
1: you know, you know.
0: (laughs) If you know, you know. Interesting (laughs) to me that such a, and I don't even think it's a spoiler to say that he's like one of the villains, because first of all, he's on the freighter, and we're already really like suspicious of the people of the freighter, but he also looks like a villain. Oh, Mm -hmm. huge villain energy. He's like a white man with with a hero complex, you know? Yeah. He's capital W.
1: Yeah, that's the most terrifying thing ever so
0: like clearly this guy sucks capital W the worst also he gives me like I can't remember exactly what happens with Kimi other than I hate Mm -hmm. him and he's awful yeah but him speaking to Saeed gave me such, like, weird racist vibes. I was like, mm-hmm. get a job. Stay away from her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, like, so it's not even a spoiler to be like, we hate this guy. But I also think it's interesting that he doesn't show up until the fifth episode of this uh, yeah. of this season. Yeah. It was interesting. And um, Sam and I were recently, I mean, th- this is coming out months later. But uh, <laughs> we were recently... Uh, recording on the fifth episode of the season of The 100 of season two. And um, Cage Wallace, who's one of the main villains of season two of The 100, doesn't show up until the fifth episode. And I had just done my notes for this. And so I was just like, wait, whoa, it's weird that the, the one of the big bad guys of the season doesn't show up until the fifth episode on both of these. Weird. Yeah, it's a very interesting choice. Just a little dink. So Saeed gets his gun and Kimi's like, oh, what the heck? And Omar's like, who are these people? And... (laughs) Frank's like, it's survivors of the crash. Well, and he knows that one of them is. And we know from episode 402 that Frank knows every single person that was on that plane. And so, like, he knows that Desmond's not a, not a survivor. And I think that's telling because when he learned that Juliet wasn't one of the survivors, he immediately told Miles.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he
0: clearly does not trust Kimi and Omar at least for sure. Yeah, because he's not just like, well, this is one of the survivors of Oceanic Flight of 15, and here's this guy. Not sure how he got here, and this is some guy. <laughs> yeah, right. He's just like, let's just let's just keep that a mystery for right now. And I think that that is telling that he yeah. clearly doesn't trust these guys either. I absolutely agree. And like, it's clear that his loyalties are with the people who are still on the island. And these guys are just the muscle and like not to be trusted. And like having seen him later, like just yelling at Frank about stuff. He like it's it's clear why he doesn't like these guys at all. Mm -hmm, Right. And even if it's about finding Ben and he doesn't want them to know that they've gotten slightly closer to finding Ben in knowing Juliet, like he definitely doesn't want Kimi to be the one who like gets the glory or whatever. No, exactly. So Kimi's like, hey, uh, why would you bring them here? And Desmond <laughs> keeps freaking out and they're trying to calm him down. And Said says he's disoriented and calls him his friend, which is really nice. But Desmond, <laughs> hurtful, says, I'm not your friend. I don't know you. Oh. And if anyone said that to me who I thought was my friend, I would be think about it for a really long time. Yep. Crying. <laughs> I'd be like, this, this has hurt me. I uh, hurt me deeply. I feel like I would immediately jump to something is wrong because like, oh, for sure. I, I don't think any of my friends have the audacity. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? But like... Saeed has known Desmond uh less longer than I know all of my friends, so <laughs> for sure. So Damon in the commentary talked about this concept that they have called a shot computer. It's it's a reference to season two when they get into the hatch and the computer gets shot mm-hmm. uh, right at the beginning of season two. And he says if there was no time constraint, we would just we would just talk to Desmond and ask him a million exposition questions in season two. And so they shoot the computer so that Desmond like runs away and leaves right, and it, it gives mm-hmm. them a time constraint so that they only have 108 minutes to fix the computer and then that way they can't just get all the exposition that they would get throughout the whole season Mm -hmm. right it's a really smart writing thing that makes sense and so damon said quote
3: one of the things that as writers we were like okay so we're coming to the freighter for the first time in the show here in episode five and you know how we we always talk about this thing on the show which is the shot computer and and this is from season two which is you would have mindless ongoing exposition unless the characters were in an we're in a constant state of crisis. So we were basically talking about when they go into the hatch and it has to be explained to them that they have to push this button every 108 minutes. We're like, if Desmond has all the time in the world to explain that to them, the scene's just going to go on and on and on and on and on. So we should shoot the computer so there's a crisis going on. It has to be repaired in 108 minutes, and that way all the exposition happens on the fly. And in this case, we're like, if they just land on the boat, they're just going to ask these guys a million different questions about who they are and why they're here. We need a shot computer, and our solution was Desmond himself would be the shot computer. He's the crisis. He's going crazy because he's jumping between. He doesn't recognize any of these people. People. So, you know, all these guys, Kimi, who you're meeting for the first time here, all, the questions, yeah, all the questions that you want to ask Omar. them. You can Kimi. Can't, yeah, Omar Omar. Yeah, Said. You can't ask Kimi. them because Desmond is completely losing his brain.
0: And one of the things that I really loved about this quote is that I really love how they think about what the characters would do in the situation, instead of just handing anyone the idiot ball you know Mm -hmm, like they think okay how can we change the circumstances so that everyone's acting rationally but we get what we want out of the scene still exactly because I have seen so many tv shows be like okay this person's just stupid and that's why they're not asking the questions right Right. and and you're like why aren't they asking like that person would ask these questions or would do something like this but they're not and why is that I just Mm -hmm. love that instead of just being like I don't know that person just didn't think about it at the time Damon's like we need to this person is just suddenly stupid for the day exactly Damon's like we need to make it make sense why they can't do the thing that they would do in the moment. Exactly. I just think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the
1: like reasons that Lost is such an effective show.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like effective is the word I was thinking. Effective <laughs> is the word I was thinking of. Of when, like, uh, especially when they do the transitions and it's, like, so loud for uh, loud and, and quiet and all the things. And especially when they have, like, a hand or a phone that's really transitioning mm-hmm. from the place. It's just really effective. It is. Yeah. It's really good editing. That's the word. Yay. <laughs> effective. Yay. So Kimi says, okay, when did this start? Frank says, when we hit some weather. It might be, like, maybe because I couldn't stay on the vector. I don't know. He's like, <laughs> I bet Frank is like, but I don't want to say that because I'm a really good pilot I don't want anyone to think I'm a bad pilot exactly like loves being a pilot so um Kimi and Omar try to go to Desmond but Saeed tries to stop them which is really nice Saeed's like protecting him um uh, because mm-hmm. Said can tell that these guys are terrible <laughs> just immediately so Kimi says what's your name he says "Said." okay we're gonna take your friend to the sick bay, and Saeed's like I want to come and Kimi well, says we're gonna let the doctor look at him first Okay, like, he'll be good, I promise. And then Desmond keeps yelling. I bet that um, part of Saeed's instincts here is because he is also former military, and these guys Mm -hmm. are, like, U.S. military vibes. Yeah, right. And so I would also be immediately sus if I was him. Yeah, and they're, like, fully... And you can kind of tell... Because they're on this, like, private... They're not there for any sort of, like, government reason or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, they're there on this private expedition sort of thing. Yeah. So that makes them fully, um... What's the word? It's the, the the military guys who go and do, like, private jobs and get paid for it. Like, mercenaries? Mercenaries. Mercenaries. I knew it started with an M. Yeah, they're just fully mercenaries. And you can tell just based on context clues as soon as you meet them, I feel mm-hmm. like.
1: Yeah. They definitely um, don't have rules to play by. Exactly. So in
0: 1996... um, Desmond basically is like I'm not supposed to be, and then by the time he gets to 1996, he says here, and it's really cool. They do the like camera shot move in the same way. It's it's very very good, very <laughs> effective, and um <laughs> it's really good stuff. Everyone else is still doing crunches, and the sergeant is like, "What is with you today? Why are you just standing up in the middle of our drill?" So he makes everybody run 10 kilometers, and Billy is like, "Dude, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you, and then you'll be dead." I don't do that. No, that's so fair. And if I was Desmond I'd be like yeah I get it <laughs> yeah I get it I'm really sorry I, get, I I don't know what's happening so on last PD it said that this is slightly a reference to Slaughterhouse 5 so Desmond confides his vivid dreams to his military friend Billy Billy Pilgrim is the main character in Slaughterhouse 5 the second chapter of which begins with the narration listen Billy Pilgrim has come unstuck in time and huh. uh, so that is a reference to Slaughterhouse 5 because of course Desmond is getting um unstuck in time as well cool so Desmond's talking to Billy and Billy's like hey uh what's happening and they're like loading up a truck or something. And Desmond's like, ah, you think I'm going to be crazy? And he's like, I already do. <laughs> so just tell me what's going on. So he says, this morning I left. I was on a boat and then I came back here. And Billy's like, are you trying to get thrown out of service? And we know that he does based on the season two finale, like in the future. Mm-hmm. We never get explicit confirmation of what it was that they threw him out of the military for, but we do know that it was dishonorable, which is why he was in prison for a little bit because he right. was dishonorably discharged. So I tried to look it up on to see if there was any information. And Laspedia said, Desmond Mann. To reach the rank of a lance corporal before being dishonorably discharged and serving time in the Southway Garrison Military Prison for failing to follow orders. So his exact hmm. defense is still unknown. I think it would have been really interesting for this to have been his discharges because he was yeah. doing this. I mean, I don't think he yeah. does enough to be, like, dishonorably discharged, but, no. um, yeah. We never learn what his, uh, the actual reason he was dishonorably discharged was. I hmm. wonder if he, like, refused to kill somebody. Yeah, maybe. That would, that would, um, it was definitely, like, something to do with his cowardice, because that's, like, mm-hmm. extremely a Desmond thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised about that. <laughs> I feel bad for Desmond's, like, I'm not gonna kill somebody, and then accidentally like causes a plane crash kills 300 people and he's like ah oh, God. <laughs> oops oopsie <laughs> So uh, Billy's like, okay, well, is there anyone that you recognize on this boat? Which honestly is a really good question. And thanks to Billy, like, Billy's actually taking him, like, seriously. And it's really helpful, actually, because he needs yeah. it for later. Mm-hmm. And Desmond says, yeah, actually, there was a photo of, of me and Penny. And so he's like, okay. So he's immediately going to get up to go call Penny about this. And this dude bumps into him, knocks the change out of his hand. And he's like, that's for this morning. And you know what? I'd probably be pissed, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't be mad at this guy for All being right. mad at Desmond. But then as soon as he bends down... To get the coin, he's back on the freighter. Mm-hmm. So cool, and the and of course the sound of the rain is the loud to quiet transition there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love how in the beginning here it's like instantaneous
1: that he slides mm-hmm. back and forth. So like in even though he's spent several minutes to hours. In the other time, for him in 2004, it happened
0: instantaneously. So, like, they're, like, struggling with him and he just all of a sudden, like, bends over. But Mm -hmm. as the the episode goes on, he's out for longer and longer in both areas. So I just thought that was, like, interesting because they established that sort of in a few minutes with George, too. Yeah, let me go down because there was this whole thing about um about this about george and um desmond give me one second because this is a perfect time to talk about it okay so according to an interview with producers while desmond's past consciousness was traveling between the past and the present minkowski's present consciousness was traveling between the past and the present and Mm. i spent a whole bunch of time when i was doing these notes trying to figure out what that meant but You're totally right, Sam. Des fully passes out in 1996. At least at at, at some point. But it's just a weird blip for him in 2004. But Minkowski is passing out in 2004. Yeah, I think that it's... I think it's also an indication of how much longer this has been happening to Minkowski. Yeah. Because he's further along and, like, obviously, like, dies from it. Um, Mm -hmm. Spoilers for the rest of this episode. Um, (laughs) Later this episode, yeah. But he, like, Desmond's, like, trying to wake him and he's, like, catatonic. And then Mm -hmm. we don't see that happen for or Desmond until much later in the episode when he's yeah. with, when he's with Faraday. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like I th- assumed that it was only happening in one place,
1: but he does seem to like get right back up. No, because he's like passed out in the phone booth
0: too, huh? Yeah, he passes yeah. out in the, in the phone booth. He passes out in de- uh, the stairwell. Oh, he passes right. out in the bathroom. He passes out. So it's lots of passing out in the okay. 1926 storyline. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I just That is a very good explanation then of why it only happens in one
0: half. With yeah, the, and then as soon yeah. as Desmond starts passing out in 2004, which we see when he's in the like phone room with mm-hmm. Said after George has died, then you're like, oh crap, it's getting worse. Now we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good point too, is that just like in nineteen ninety six it's hours. Like he travels all the way to Oxford, he travels all the way to this um auction house, he travels all the way to Penny mm-hmm. within the time that he gets back, but it's just a blip in two thousand four. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Desmond's reaching down for the coin, but it's not there because it's <laughs> he's in 2004 now, and they all think he's falling over, so they're like, Whoa! And Desmond's like, I'm so confused because I it's like I'm not actually here, and I don't know which one is real, like which one's a dream. And I, I mean, I get it, I would it makes total sense why that would be confusing, yeah. and 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 that's also a good point, uh, uh, a testament to your point, too, Sam, is that like he starts at a 10 and he goes down, you know, it starts being a little bit more. Normal Mm -hmm. for him and he gets a little bit more used to it, but obviously still confused. Yeah. So Desmond's like, "Uh, I can't tell if I'm actually here. And Kimi's like, I promise you are. So let's (laughs) go. Uh, Let's get you looked at. And Kimi's like actually being kind of nice. And I'm like, it's obviously a fake out. He's horrible. Like you can tell just Mm -hmm. from the look of him. It's such a, you can tell just by context clues, this guy sucks. It's such a sinister like approach too, because he's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm definitely going to murder you later. Patronizing. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. He's just like, this poor guy's confused. Especially after knowing that Kimi has seen what happened to Minkowski, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Desmond's like, who are you? And he introduces himself. I'm Kimi. And like, I know him as Kimi, but I also know that his first name is Martin, which is really <laughs> weird. <laughs> really weird to think about that his name is uh, Martin. And this is Omar. So Kimi's from Vegas and Omar is from Florida. And Omar says that the last port that they were at was Fiji. So we're in the Pacific somewhere. They take Desmond into the sick bay, and they're like, okay, relax, buddy. We'll go get the doctor. Don't worry about it. And he slams and locks the door. (laughs) It really feels like they're sort of just like taking the people who are inconveniencing them and locking them in a room. Oh, yeah, sure does. It's just like, like, we're trying to do a job here and you're being annoying. They're like, I'm not going to deal with this until later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Desmond's trying to open and he's like, help, help, (laughs) help. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm so confused. And Minkowski's strapped to a bed, which also it's just like very reminiscent of like straight jacket, you know? Mm hmm. Oh, fully. They fully strapped him down and he's like, oh my gosh, is it happening to you too? And you look over, dude looks sickly as hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's
1: like terrifying.
0: That man is unwell. Dude looks like so sweaty. Pallid, yeah, for sure. But the the this moment is so good because like the suspense and sense of foreboding that this one moment makes where he's like, Is it happening to you too? And it's like, (gasps) What does he know? It's so good because it's just like and also finally like someone has not not answers, but like at least somebody who relates and maybe we can talk about (laughs) our experiences. Mm -hmm, Right. So I know I'm not I'm not crazy that this is happening. I just think that every act ends with an absolute banger of a line. It's just such a good episode. That's so true. So Saeed sees Kimi yelling at Frank. So after he's done doing that, he goes to talk to Frank. And Saeed says, what's up with Desmond? Like, they clearly know what's happening. And Frank's like, okay, if they do, they're not telling me because I don't know what's going on. And of course, I trust Frank because I love him. <laughs> um, Saeed says, okay, can you then explain why it was evening and now it's afternoon? And Frank's like, "Ooh, good point. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. So he's like, I'm gonna be really tired in a couple hours. So uh, this is weird. Frank is like, I, I, um, am not the math guy. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I definitely agree that that's weird, but I am the drive the plane guy. Yeah, I agree with you that it's sus, but I couldn't explain it to you if I tried. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, I want to help you, but I don't know the answer. And so Saeed says, then give me the phone and let me call my friends. And Frank, smart guy, says, okay, trade these for the gun then. Said, ever an economist, is like, okay, so they make the trade. Mm-hmm. And Frank says, okay, hear me out on all this, you guys. So Frank says, okay, do it fast and don't call Baghdad because they only call each other. And so when I heard this, I was like, ah, oh, Frank, come on, man, I love you. Do we need to do the casual racism? Mm-hmm. I want to love you. We don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. So then I went, where is Baghdad? Because I was like, I didn't know where Baghdad was. So I was like, oh, man, random Middle East city. Like, come on, we don't have to do this racism stuff. And it sort of reads as that, right? Yeah. Uh, however... Sure. However, I looked it up and Baghdad is the capital of Iraq. Yes. And Jack told him Saeed was from Iraq. And so I was like, is dude just casually dropping his Iraq knowledge? Because I did not know that.
1: (laughs) I'm gonna say that.
0: I mean, it's like maybe he's trying to be nice and show that he knows stuff. I don't know. Or maybe it was a coincidence. Probably that. But preferably it reads as casual racism. Preferably it's him being like aware, but... I feel like given the fact that this is 2004, yeah, I'm gonna say casual racism. It absolutely reads as casual racism. Yeah, yeah for sure.
3: <laughs> what's happening to Desmond? Your friends know what's wrong with you. Well, if they do, they're not sharing it with me. Then perhaps we'll share how we took off at dusk and landed in the middle of the day.
2: Listen, I don't know what's happening to your body, all right? But you gotta trust me when I tell you this.
3: I am trying to help you. You want to help me, give me your phone. Let me call my people.
2: You give me that weapon and I'll give you this phone. Be quick, don't go trying to call Baghdad. Those phones can only call
0: each other. So Damon in the um, commentary said that the Washington Post did a March Madness bracket of lost characters. Once, Iconic. And Desmond won. As he should. And I just wanted to say that I wish that he had won hours too, and I have regrets. And, <laughs> Same. I'm, and I'm really sorry. And I literally entered a fugue state, and I'm really sorry. I have a lot of regrets, and I'm really sorry.
1: <laughs> uh, like, we have to live with ourselves every day knowing that we did that. I
0: know. I know. And I and I'm really sorry. Um, if you guys didn't hear that, we put like a bonus episode out a couple months ago of us doing a March Madness bracket, and I regret uh many things that I did there, and I'm really sorry. Same. I did not fight as always. Really sorry. What kind of fugue state were you in? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm really sorry. But so they also were talking about how they needed a helicopter pilot to mm-hmm. like they needed to cast somebody for a helicopter pilot. And they thought of who they would want. And they thought of Jeff Fehi, And so they were like, we should like they literally made Lapidus for Jeff, which is really cool. And they were like, let's find him. Where is he? And he was in Afghanistan running an orphanage. Oh my God. That's where he was when, and then they wow. like called him up and they were like, will you please be on our show? And he was like, okay. That's amazing. Oh my God. That's what he was busy doing. Well, wow. I love that man. Yeah, me too. So Saeed calls, Jack answers and Jack's like, oh my God, what happened? And Saeed's like, Desmond freaked out. Now he's in bay and he doesn't recognize me or know where he is. And Jack's like, okay, well, my question was like, why have you been gone for two days but okay (laughs) right and so jack asks if these are the side effects that dan was talking about and dan goes oh hmm well was he recently exposed to radiation or electromagnetism and juliet and jack just look (laughs) at each other like uh jack and juliet are like i don't know and i'm like yeah he Mm -hmm. was significantly are you dumb yes he turned the yes he turned the the failsafe key and that was like how he got his like magic see it, the future powers yes it blew his clothes off yeah exactly and but when when Minkowski was subject to that I don't know yeah and so Dan is like I don't know why but some people get confused when coming to and from the island so I don't know uh Juliet says is it amnesia and doesn't and Dan goes "Ah, uh, no no <laughs> no 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 it's not that I don't know. So back in the sick bay, Des is talking to Minkowski, staring off into space, and Desmond's like, Hello. Um, Minkowski comes back and he's like, I was just on a Ferris wheel. And I just wanted to say, this guy does an incredible job of being gone and coming back. Oh, yeah. Like, his eyes are out of focus and then there he is. Like, he does a really good job. Yeah. That's
1: so true. Fisher,
0: I think his name is Fisher Stevens, I'm pretty sure is his name. And he's great. Mm -hmm. Good job. I love Minkowski. He's one of my favorite little minor characters. And it makes me so sad that, like... As soon as we see him, he immediately dies. But yeah, Yeah. I love Minkowski. I think he's great. And I wish that we got more of his like story and like where his brain went.
1: I know that would have been cool.
0: I want to see him on a Ferris wheel. I wonder which Ferris wheel. Yeah, me too. So the doctor comes in. His name's Ray. Um, remember him. He is going to be important later this season.
1: He gives me the creeps.
0: I feel like I also hate him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he does anything that like, I feel like. He, he just seems, seems unethical. I actually, I don't remember that much. Yeah, he's kind of creepy. He's kind of creepy looking. Yeah. For sure. I'm like, this guy would do performance, perform things without my consent. Like, yeah, that's fair hundred percent. As a doctor. Like he's doing tests yeah. that I didn't say that he could do. Yeah. Precisely. precisely. So Minkowski's like, oh my God, Ray, look, it's happening to him too. It's not just me. And it's going to happen to all of us once we get close to this stupid island again. And Ray's like, okay, stop talking. And like he's <laughs> wasting their sedatives on Minkowski because no one will hear him out. And they just think he's annoying and a burden. And so they just like get rid of him every time he starts yelling, I guess. It's... It's sure not great. It's sad. It, it sure does read as quite ableist. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So Minkowski's like, no, please. No. And he does it anyway. And Desmond's like, hey, whoa. um, <laughs> what, what is happening? Please don't do that to me. And he's like, okay, let me just check your eyes. So he does. And he asks his name. It's Desmond. What's the last thing you remember? And we're back to, to 1996. And it is pouring rain so we've got that silence to loudness again. And Desmond looks up and he sees that dude who bumped into him just walking away. So clearly he doesn't lose any time here like Mm -hmm. we were talking about. Yeah. And he didn't and he also didn't um pass out during this one. And and like the one the last one he didn't pass out he just like stood up instead of doing more push-ups I guess. So he picks up his coins and he calls Penny and she's annoyed (laughs) which I get. (laughs) And he's like I'm in trouble I'm confused can I please see you? And she's like uh you dumped me and joined the army. (laughs) You think I give a crap about you? Like, you know what this is? Do you guys remember? I, it wasn't Flash Bef- Flashes Before Your Eyes? No. I think it was Catch-22, where Desmond goes to see Ruth, who he was engaged to, and then he br- didn't show up to the wedding and joined a monastery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Penny's like, hmm, really feels like we did that again. You dumped me and joined the army. So. Feels a little familiar. Just saying. I really feel like, hmm, this is interesting. I don't know if they were trying to make this parallel at all. They probably mm-hmm. were. But. But. I think it's interesting how the way he spoke about the monastery in Catch-22, where he mm-hmm. says that it was like a religious moment where like somebody, he like had fallen down in the street because he was drunk or something. I can't remember. And then a, a a monk had come to him and said like, do you need help, brother, or whatever? And that's of course why Desmond says brother. And it was sort of like a religious moment for him where he's like, oh my gosh, I have to go with him. This is like what I'm meant to do. I think that some people, and sometimes to their detriment, mm-hmm. think of the military as a sort of religion and something that's going to like save them. Oh yeah, 100%. So I don't know if that's exactly what they were trying to say but it was something that just came into my brain that's so fair so she's like i don't know why you think i give a crap about you uh he's like please can please penny i'm so confused and she's like yeah you are you are <laughs> that's for sure so he says no please listen i have two days leave can i please come and i really think that if she had just said yes all of this would have been fixed he would have just shown up and he wouldn't even need to talk to dan mm-hmm. you know but she is so fair so valid of her to be like ah, Pass. Yeah. Yeah, right. Bye. Yeah, for sure. And, like, because this is 1996, Penny. Like, why would she... Have any reason. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting that she literally changes her number because of this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. the next time, like, it happens within two days that he goes and tries to call her at Dan's office, because he only has two days leave. Yeah. So she, like, immediately changes her number because of this. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So she says, Haha, no, and also, I moved, so don't try and come to my house. And he's like, oh, where did you move? And she's like, I'm super not telling you. I'm not telling <laughs> you. <laughs> please leave me alone. he's like, no, please. He goes, no, please, I need you. But before he says, I need you, it it goes to 2004. And instead he says, I need you to Ray, the doctor. And Ray's like, oh my God. (laughs) Me? Really? Okay. We just met. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, wait, did something just happen to you? Desmond's like, yeah, (laughs) something did just happen to me. So Frank and Said come in and Ray's like, what the heck? (laughs) This is my doctor's office, which is a (laughs) smelly, gross, musty room. Get out! <laughs> and he's like, Frank, you shouldn't be in here, especially with this guy. And Frank says, Faraday is calling, and he wants to talk to Desmond. And f- Ray, it's so funny to like we meet these like little freighter people who we love, and mm-hmm. then we get to go onto this freighter where all of these people know these people that we just met, and have so much more context for them than we mm-hmm. do. So this line is so funny to me. It's like such a passing line, but the part where he's like Faraday wants to talk to him, and he's like Faraday is not talking to him. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's so funny to me that that they all have way more context for Faraday. And he's just like, no, no. Yeah. So Saeed's like, too bad. And Saeed like slams the guy into a wall. And he's like, I'm just trying my best, please. <laughs> so the doc starts an alarm and Desmond takes the phone and Dan says, hi, I'm Daniel Faraday. We met yesterday, but you probably don't remember. And Desmond's like, huh? And Dan's like, oh yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's not good. What year do you think it is? And Desmond's like, what? It's obviously 1996. And everyone in the room and probably everyone on speaker is like, what? They're all like, uh,
1: he's <laughs> not well. Um, this is, I don't know if it's like a direct parallel, but this does also happen in All Good Things. Like the first thing we see. Oh, tell me. Just uh-huh. like the, the first, the way the episode opens, the first thing we see is Picard like running frantically out of his room and being like, <laughs> what year is it? And yeah. then- I don't know. They, they, Deanna's like, uh, are you, are you good? They use, <laughs> like, bro, what, what kind of nightmare are you having? Yeah,
0: I like am spending this whole podcast laughing because I can't stop thinking about how crazy everybody thinks Desmond is. <laughs> it's so true. The everyone's like, what? So Dan is like, okay, where are you? And Desmond's like, I don't know, like a sick pay or something? I was brought to, on a boat, I, uh, that's, I think. <laughs> and Dan's like, no, sorry, where are you in 1996? And Desmond's like, oh, Camp Millar, Royal Scots Regiment, I'm near Glasgow. And Jack tries to intervene, probably because he thinks this is weird, because he never believes people, ever, mm-hmm. when they are having, like, mental issues. And I just think everyone's probably just like, Dan, why are you, like enabling him but like dan knows he knows exactly
1: what he's doing
0: yeah and so dan says okay when it happens again get on a train and go to oxford university queen's college physics department. It's so lucky that he was within train distance to where Daniel is, because what if he was just like, I don't know, I'm in LA. they would be like, <laughs> right. uh, I don't know, give me a call. I don't, I don't know. On Lastpedia, it said the Queen's College Oxford does not have a physics department. <laughs> oh my god. No. Instead, the University of Oxford has various physics sub departments situated throughout the city. Um, So yeah, this physics department doesn't exist. I think it would be so impressive if, like, They know it doesn't exist, but Mm -hmm. Faraday is just there doing experiments. And he is the physics department. He is just the entire physics department. Yeah, yeah. So Faraday says, you're going to find me. And like I said, just damn, every act ends with an absolute banger. Like, Mm -hmm. that is such a good moment. Hello?
3: Desmond. Desmond, my name is Daniel Faraday. We met yesterday before you took off but I'm guessing you don't remember that. Am I right? Took off? D- what? Desmond, we don't have long to talk, so I need you to tell me what year you think it is. <laughs> what do you mean, what year do I think it is? 1996. All right, Desmond. Desmond, look, you you got to tell me. Where are you? Um, I, I'm, in, I'm in some kind of sick bay. No, no, no. Not right now, Desmond. Where are you supposed to be? Where are you in 1996? Uh, Camp Miller, it's uh, Royal Scots Regiment. It's uh, just north of Glasgow. Yeah, you might want. No, no, I'm thinking, thinking. Desmond, listen. When it happens again, Desmond, I need you to get on a train. Get on a train and go to Oxford, Oxford University, Queen's College, Physics Department. All right? What? Why? Because I need you to find me.
1: It's so good. Mm-hmm. And it instantly, like, makes you so intrigued in Faraday yeah. as a character. Because you're mm-hmm. like, what the heck does this guy know?
0: Mm-hmm. Turns out it's a lot. Like, we already knew that we were doing time travel stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, like, this absolutely cements it in, in hard sci-fi, this time travel oh, yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. So Carlton said on the commentary that they constructed Faraday around uh, Jeremy Davies uh, rather than making Faraday and then searching for someone to play him. And uh, I feel like I can tell. I really think that's a a reason why the characters are so meaningful that like um, Faraday and Lapidus in particular were crafted for the actor. Oh, yeah. That's Um, so
1: fascinating because literally when I was watching the episode, I was thinking he does such a good job of just mm -hmm. like you can literally see the wheels that are turning in his head. And he has just like this this kind of crazed, but like so intelligent kind of demeanor about him. And I was thinking like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever seen Jeremy Davies in anything else. Mm -hmm. And I can't really imagine him in anything else because like, (laughs) yeah, how how does he do anything that's not this like he just feels so real it doesn't feel like a character Mm -hmm. for
0: sure I completely agree. And, like, when I see pictures of him, like, wasn't he, like, in American Gods and he played, like, I don't know, Jesus or something? That's that's was what it he? looked like in the picture. <laughs> I don't know what he played. He, I'm pretty sure he was, though. He had, like, really long hair or something. And I was just like, that's not him. No. I,
1: I truly can't imagine him being anything that is not, like, this exact kind of character. I mean, like.
0: I'm looking up who he played in American Gods. Not
1: saying anything, like, to his acting. I'm just like, Faraday is so real. honestly it's a
0: it's oh my god i was right he played jesus oh my god (laughs) he played jesus honestly casey it's a praise of his acting because he's so right grounded in this character
1: exactly that's what it is
0: yeah, I can't believe I got that right. I was just like, I don't know. He's kind of dressed like Jesus in all the pictures that I see. <laughs> he Jesus. Okay, but and I don't know about um, Miles, but Rebecca Mater had a more organic audition process, they said, like they had made Charlotte and then they casted Rebecca Mater. Mm-hmm. Not sure about Miles because they didn't comment on that. But yeah, it's interesting. So, Dan is, like, looking in his backpack for his journal, and they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, I just have to make sure that I believe him in 1996. Right. And Jack's like, hey, uh, why does he think he's in 1996? And Dan's like, I don't know. He's <laughs> like, I really don't have time for this right now. <laughs> it's complicated. Right now I can tell you that It happens. I can't tell you why. I just know that it happens. (laughs) He's like, it's random. Sometimes it happens for hours, sometimes years. So like, and Jack's like, has it happened before? Dan, who has met Minkowski, but this happened to Minkowski after they left the freighter? oh yeah Yeah. so Uh unclear but so dan finds his journal and he's like give me the phone and he says are you still there desmond and saeed is literally holding the door while people slam onto it (laughs) and he's like yeah i'm here and dan says when you find me at queen's college tell me to set the device to 2.342 which of course is 23 and 42 amazing and it needs to oscillate at 11 hertz so desmond tries to remember and writes it on his hand and of course that doesn't end up transferring over to his 1996 body so he loses that immediately but dan says if the numbers don't convince me tell me you know about Eloise. So Kimi and Omar come in and take away the phone and now we're on bad terms. (laughs) Kimi's like, I was nice before and now I'm not nice. Now we are (laughs) actively in a disagreement. Now I'm mad. So in 1996, Desmond's back in the phone booth um, and he's still holding a phone, which is really cool. And The numbers aren't on his hand anymore. And I'm just like, just write them down again. (laughs) Before you forget, write them down quick. He takes that train to Oxford. So like we said, clearly this one's lasting way longer than usual. Is that he's, it's been like many hours. Mm -hmm. And we went to this uh, location on the Lost Location Tour. Um, and speaking of the monastery, this is actually the exact same location as the monastery where Desmond met Penny. Mm-hmm. And you can tell because of, like, the crisscrossed paths there. Yeah. Um, where it is. So, that's pretty cool. I cried when <laughs> we got there. <laughs> on Lostpedia, it said the dog seen at Oxford University when Desmond find Fa- finds Faraday is the same dog used for the painting in Jacob's cabin. Huh. What? This is Lulu. It's all connected. And she is Jack Bender's dog. <laughs> Um, or at least she was, and now she belongs to costume designer Roland Sanchez. Oh, that's so cool. Why Jack Bender gave her to Roland, I do not know. But I love you, Lulu. Lulu, Lulu. So we see Dan with his long hair talking to a student, and he is very unimpressed with Mr. Hollister's work. Not good. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Bad work, Mr. Hollister. And Desmond says, hi, are you Daniel Faraday? Um, I'm Desmond, and I was supposed to find you here uh, to tell you that I've been to the future. You told me to come here and that you would help me. And Dan's like, well, why didn't I help you in the future? Dan's
1: like, yeah, freaking right.
0: (laughs) It feels a little unnecessary for you to come back here. This is clearly a prank by my colleagues, but thanks. And as he walks away, he says, that would be a paradox anyway, <laughs> which is really interesting. Yeah. So on Lostpedia, it pointed this out. And there's there's another example of this that I'll talk about in the spoiler section. But on Lostpedia, it said, The information about Faraday's device is an example of the bootstrap paradox. It is given to Desmond by Faraday himself, who is only aware of it because Desmond told it to him in the past. Thus, the information was never actually discovered. Huh. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Like no one ever actually figured out what those numbers were because Desmond gave it to him and Faraday gave it to him. And it's like, it's just a loop. Huh. Whoa. Weird. Mind-bending. So Desmond says, set the device to 2.342, oscillate at 11. And Dan's like, who told you those numbers? And he's like, you, bro. And also I know about Eloise. And Dan's like damn. Okay. So that really worked. I like that it takes him until Eloise to like solidify it. Yeah, for sure. And it's cool that, yeah, it's so cool that Dan in the future is like, I probably won't believe you. So here is the secret personal thing that you say. And it works, which is really cool. Yeah. 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 He's like, I will probably be a dick about this. So yeah. Yeah, I'll probably be mad. So, um, yeah. Well, you guys, that's the halfway point. So we're going to take our little break. And then after we get back, I'm going to talk to you guys about Patreon real quick. And then we'll keep going. Nice. Woohoo. All right, you guys, we are back. So before we get to the rest of the episode, I'm going to talk to you guys about Patreon real quick. Um, So Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Um, Our Patreon is patreon.com slash the And we accept uh monthly donations there. So the $1 a month level gets you early access to every single podcast, um, including this one, which is a whole week in advance. Um, and I also made it so that you can have a month-long free trial to that um tier, so maybe check that out. Um, $2 (laughs) is our Discord server. $5 is 10% off at three different small businesses. Uh, Mine, Casey's, and uh, former co-host slash Sam's wife, Brittany's. And um, the last one is the $10 level, which is our Patreon-only podcast, which is called Okay, Love You High. We talk every two weeks for about 45 minutes about whatever we feel like, and Sam's on that one. What are your thoughts? Um, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Sam's thoughts are she has a great time being on Oakley. Oh, on Oakley. For some reason, I thought
1: you were talking about Riverdale, and I was like, <laughs> I'm not
0: on Riverdale? You're like, I'm not on that one. Not no. Anymore. Oakley is delightful, and um, we talk about all sorts of things, and we come up with really fun, silly games, uh, because it's
1: it's nice to do that,
0: and uh, yeah. we have a good time. It's-
1: so delightful to listen to. <laughs> I'm really excited about our next one. I'm Me really too. into um, the last... Did you do one or two? Maybe just one where you guys guess what bracket oh, you're yeah. doing.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We did a we did a, uh, draft in yeah. which one person didn't know what we were drafting and had to guess. That
1: was so yeah, funny. Was fun. And I cannot yeah, believe... I just got to tell you guys, I cannot believe how close... Brittany was I know on her first guess and then she just went back and back and started doubting herself oh my god it yeah. was so great
0: yeah great. Right. so if you guys want to check that out feel free to do so that's at the $10 level and I know I said that was the last one but we actually have a $20 and a $50 level those are just like thanks for helping us like a $15 <laughs> $20 and then the but that one's just thanks for helping us enjoy all the things that previous tiers get so hey if you want to join that one you can do that too At the $50 level, you get uh, producer credit and we say thank you in every single um, uh, credits of every single podcast. Um, As you can tell, nobody's in there. But if you wanted to,
1: (laughs) you could. I want to be that one person. (laughs) (laughs) I just do
0: not have that You are not obligated. (laughs) It's okay. All right, you guys, let's get back into it here. So- we go um, back into Dan's office and he goes, uh, Oxford doesn't like the things I do in here. Then how Uh-oh. do they, how do they let you do it then? He's like, they probably would not like that. So maybe they, they must not know. But I'm like, you're telling me no one ever goes in and like checks up on you. It's giving, it's giving uh, 2016 Ghostbusters. Where yeah. They're like, <laughs> this is totally sanctioned by the school. And then the school right. walks in and they're like, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On Laspedia, it said, on the blackboard in Dan's office, Schrodinger's equation for the time evolution of a wave function is missing the Hamiltonian operator.
1: Not the Hamiltonian operator. (laughs) I know.
0: Um, and then Laspedia shows what the actual equation is, but like, I didn't know how to say that out loud. And it was also pretty cool because Charlotte earned her doctorate at Oxford, Ben said. And Dan taught there, which is kind of cool. Aw, they were always meant to come together. Mm. On the Lost Location, it said that they had a professor from the University of Hawaii come and write the equation. And I'm like, well, are they a very good professor if they forgot the Hamiltonian operator? Come on. (laughs) You forgot the Hamiltonian operator. (laughs) Hello? Hello? Amateur. Amateur. I'm sure he's excellent. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He just forgot the Hamiltonian operator. It's fine. Mm -hmm. So... Oh, listen to this. So later in the commentary, uh, Damon said that Jeremy Davies wrote some of the equations up there because he took a physics course to understand Faraday better.
1: Oh, my God. That's crazy.
0: So maybe he's the one who forgot the Hamiltonian operator. Mm-hmm. We'll say it's him. We won't blame yeah. it on the professor. We, sorry. You know, it's okay. He's he's just a little actor, right? He's just trying his best.
1: <laughs> and he's doing a great job.
0: But I'm also like, I wonder if he means later when he's like writing on the chalkboard in front of Desmond. I don't know. Oh, anyway. sure. So Dan is like, okay, so future me remembers us meeting right now? Mm -hmm. And Desmond's like, no, maybe you forgot? And Dan's like, I doubt it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, right, because you're so good at remembering things? (laughs) See, that's- Okay, bud. But that's maybe also like an indication that, like we were talking about at the beginning, that maybe you can change the past, but you can't change the future. Mm Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, hmm, yeah, because Desmond doesn't remember meeting Faraday in the past, but it makes sense why Faraday doesn't remember meeting him because he has memory issues. Right. Like, who knows? It's sci-fi. Like, Desmond being back here, maybe he has, like, an impact on... He clearly does have enough of an impact on Faraday because the, the constant thing... In his journal yeah. is there. Right. And it's interesting because, as far as we can tell, they only meet that one time. Yeah. And, like, he doesn't, correct me if I'm wrong, but he doesn't write that in at the end of this episode. It's in there. No. It's just in there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like. And Dan looks so surprised because he doesn't remember writing that. Exactly. Yeah. But then also, like, this happening to Desmond could have changed his whole trajectory and, like, all of Penny's life for the last mm-hmm. eight years. Yeah. Like, if he, if him showing up, at the end of the episode, is so impactful on her that, like, it drives her to, like, continue loving him and looking for him. Yeah, and not changing her number in eight years, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Desmond says, are we changing the future? And he's like, "Ah, no, we can't do that. (laughs) And he puts his little radiation apron on and Desmond's like, do I need one? And he's like, no, I just need one because I do this a lot. And Desmond's like, okay, well, you're only protecting your body. Like, what about your head? And it's like... <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah, good point, I guess. Uh, yeah. And of course, like, this is great. It's like great, like, a little subtext about, like, why he has memory problems. Mm-hmm. It's right here, you know? Very cool. Yeah, that's so true. So he brings out his little white rat and he says, this is Eloise. And the commentary said that she... W- okay, you guys are gonna love this. The commentary said that she was played by a boy mouse. Okay? <laughs> and the visual effects team had to erase his junk. Oh my oh god. my on those like bottom shots you guys couldn't just find a lady rat you paid for, you paid for gender erasing (laughs) cgi on a rat (laughs) on a rat that seems like a waste of money
1: yeah feminism is a rat issue too
0: (laughs) so there you go and so he puts her in the rat maze and starts the machine and Dan's like okay hey, this is gonna unstick her in time just like you if the numbers are correct and he turns it on and he's like okay hey, we'll wait for her to come back so if you remember last episode um Locke gave Ben a book to read off his own bookshelf called Vallis. in Vallis it says so this is on Lost Media. The pink mm-hmm. beam of light that lets Eloise the rat travel through time is a reference to a similar pink beam of light believed by the main character of Valis to be a transmission from an alien satellite that's featured in this book, which is shown in the episodes surrounding the constant. So, um, Valis was in last episode and I assume then that means that Valis is in next episode as well, which is interesting. Right. Cool. So Eloise runs through the maze quickly and she gets to the end and Dan <laughs> is like freaking out and Desmond's like, uh, why is this a big deal? <laughs> I, it's a rat. And he's like, No, I just haven't run- taught her how to run it yet. I was going to do it an hour from now. So he's like, Okay, you sent her to the future. So wait, did Dan, ooh, interesting. So did Dan ever actually teach her how to run the maze? Or is this another bootstrap paradox? Cause she never actually learned how to run the maze. Oh, oh. Because he's <laughs> like distracted by. Yeah. All the stuff with Desmond. Weird. I wonder if that's what, like, moves her to die so quickly or probably because she, her brain is so small that it can't handle it, I would assume. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why it happened so quickly. But so Desmond's like, so did you send her to the future? He says, no, just her mind. And Desmond's like, okay, how's it supposed to help me? And Dan's like, huh? Mm -hmm. Helping you? I thought. like, uh, I didn't know that was part of this. (laughs) I thought you were helping me. That's why I told you to come here, right? And he's like, No! <laughs> no no <laughs> i don't i don't know why you sent me but you end up on some island and dan's like why would i go to an island <laughs> <laughs> that's stupid <laughs> i love <laughs> people like islands daniel do you think do you think that he recognizes like the island at this point when he's saying that because to me it seems sort of like hmm. why would i go there you know what i mean like he knows which dan i il- yeah Oh yeah, I I don't I don't know. think so because spoiler reasons. Can I write down a spoilers mm. um yeah. thing here and then talk about it uh, later? Of uh, why Dan goes to the island to the island, and I will talk about that in like an hour. <laughs> 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 there we go. Okay. I also think it's really interesting to see the difference between the mannerisms and personality of Dan in 2004 and Dan in 2000 er, Dan in 1996 because mm-hmm. this Dan feels like he has more confidence and like he's just more poised. I feel like the like Dan on the island is so like bumbling and like really submissive, I feel like. I feel like this Dan also though doesn't care about people as much. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mhm.
1: Like, I feel like he has more to lose. I kind of gathered that too. On the island. Like, this guy is
0: just like a kind of pretentious nerd doing Mm -hmm. things that he knows no one else understands. Yeah, for sure. He's just like, I'm too smart. So nobody else can be my partner because nobody else gets it. Exactly. Yeah. But it's so funny that he's like, why would I do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, Dan on the island would be like, oh, um, okay, cool. And then Dan's like, that's stupid. <laughs> but I also think it's funny because, like, it reminds me of that joke that Charlie made in Flashes Before Your Eyes where uh, Desmond's like, I know you because we are on an island. And Charlie's like, we are on an island. It's England. <laughs> And aren't they on England right now? Like they're they're at in England. So he he's they were at Oxford. Yeah. So he's like, why would I go to an island? I'm like, B- babe, you're on an island. <laughs> <laughs> it's called England. You're on an island, babe. Yeah. So Dez fully passes out and goes back to 2004. Um, and they once again do that silence to loud because the um, alarm is blaring. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just great every time the silence to loud thing. It's effective. Wink every single time. Like, I don't ever get tired of it. Yeah. Even though they do it every time. It's so good. <laughs> well, almost every time, but yeah. So this is a quote from Carlton in the commentary. He said, we had to work out all these permutations, and again, we're not trying to violate the concept of paradox. That's the part where we find time travel is not engaging for the audience. You want to see the people move back and forth between the two ta- different time zones, but the encounters with themselves and alterations of the future was something we are opposed to because we want people invested in the future. We mm-hmm. Don't want the audience to think you've seen Kate and Jack have this really intense conversation in flash forward at the end of season three and then discover it means nothing. A new parallel future could be constructed in which that is rendered as not having existed. That was real and means something. And that can be the only inevitable course of events.
1: Huh. Wow.
0: They're just so smart. They get it. You know, that's interesting. That's so fascinating
1: because am I gonna mess this up that's so interesting because I keep referring back to all good things because again just watched it this Mm -hmm. morning of course Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the opposite of Star Trek's logic because in that Mm. episode it's kind of once like uh, the day is saved and all is well Picard tells his like crew what he saw in the future and his crew Mm -hmm. is kind of like Well, why did he do that? Like, that's kind of just a bummer, to be honest, because the future Mm. (laughs) was not so great for some people and for some reasons. And then they kind of realize, well, maybe he told us because the future isn't certain and like we can take Mm. actions now to change course. And maybe that future just like exists on another plane. So it's kind of interesting how Damon and Carlton are so. Or, uh, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like they're yes, oh, they're more focused on the future that you've seen so far does happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how <laughs> well, to articulate what I'm saying.
0: I think that I think that part of what you're getting at is because Lost itself over the course of six seasons tells one one story that like is it's it's
1: not entirely told linearly but it is a linear story so like Mm -hmm. there is an arc of events that happens and like even though they happen out of order they all happen and they all mean something and with this episode of star trek and that series of star trek it's not telling like there is a linear
0: story but it's episodic like, the series itself. Right. So, All Good Things is one contained story.
1: Whereas mm. Lost Lost's contained story is its entire, like, catalog, I guess. Yeah. That's it. And so, for All Good Things, and there's interference with uh, Q there as well, which is part of why Picard
0: is slipping through time. Right. And Q is trying to teach Picard a lesson of you have to, like invest yourself in the things and people around you because I could snap my fingers and they could all disappear. Like you could lose all of this. Mm. And so like, that's the lesson for Picard is to learn
1: to embrace the now and like enrich the, um, uh, I'm so with you. (laughs) I'm so with you. He's,
0: he, he is supposed to, he's supposed to change it. What he sees because Q shows him, how his life could be and how it's like, is this what you really want? Like that's what he's asking him. And with Desmond and with the flash forward uh, to Jack and Kate, like this, it's not something that's up for change or debate. It's like fate and destiny are a big part of, of that. And like, in all good things. I think that's what it kind of goes back to. Yeah. And like in all good things, Picard is like a lot of things can happen in 25 years is like the big line from that episode mm-hmm. and if you're watching Picard now you know a lot of things can happen in 25 years um, <laughs> um but like with this like it is there's not a lot of things that there are a lot of things that could happen but this is the only thing that
1: can happen in this timeline because yeah. it's destined
0: does that make yeah. sense and I haven't seen this episode of Star Trek and I feel like many of the time travel stories that I have seen are like the Lost and Harry Potter rule of time travel. There are lots of different rules, like a different, I think there's, if I can remember properly, and I don't remember what them they all are, but there's like three different types of time travel. And the one that I'm most familiar with is the Lost and the Harry Potter of it all, which is that it all happened. And like, if I go back again, that happened originally too, you know, like Harry gets hit in the back of the head with a rock or whatever by, and it, and who hit him in the back of the head with the rock? It was Harry, you know, like it all right. happened mm-hmm. at the same time. Like who did the werewolf howl? It was Hermione, mm-hmm. but before you know, and so it all, it all happened at the same time. And it all occurred, whatever happened happened, right? And Lost sort of does that same thing where it's just like, well, it happened, you know? Mhm. Right. So, ugh, I can't right. talk about season 5. I can't talk about season 5. <laughs> but if you've seen <laughs> season 5, you know what I'm talking about. All the stuff that happened happened, and that's what made this today. Exactly. And like, you just don't know about it yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that. So
0: yeah. But I, it seems like Star Trek uh follows one of the other time travel rules, yeah. which is that it's possible to change the future. I think that's that's In what I past. was <laughs> like initially trying to get at was um both of you are so smart you said such smart things do not worry oh
1: don't I I definitely didn't
0: but I think that's what I was <laughs> yes you did I no, I was silently clapping
1: the whole time oh you guys are nice I think that's <laughs> what I the the foundation of what I was trying to get at is like even though like all good things is very clearly a blueprint mm-hmm. Lost still diverges from kind of like the main they have different intentions theory of time travel Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Casey, take this in the best way. If you weren't super smart on this podcast and wonderful and great, you'd be so fired. (laughs) But are you fired? Well, that's really nice (laughs) because
1: I never feel smart enough for this podcast. So that's really sweet.
0: You're good, man. Casey, you're here because you're a genius.
1: Oh. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say genius.
0: <laughs> Everybody who hears this to like three or four months from now, gas up Casey in the comments.
1: <laughs> I mean, that'd be really sweet. I, lo- I love being hyped, but I don't think I deserve that. But thanks.
0: At Casey Watches TV on Twitter. Gas up Casey in the comments. Thanks.
1: Yeah. Whenever you're listening to this, send me something nice.
0: <laughs> so Desmond is still trying to talk on the phone to De- uh, Dan and Kimi takes the phone from him. And Frank's, like, just trying to calm everybody down. He says, you need to calm down. You're being too loud. (laughs) Period. And he says, listen, I'm sorry. Dan wanted to talk to him, so we brought him the phone. And just like Ray, Kimi's like, why would you let Faraday talk to him? That is not going to help. And so Frank says, well, Faraday said that he could help him. And Raya says, Faraday can't even help himself. Oop. That is so rude. And I'm like, okay, stop being mean though. Because like now he's starting to get his memory back, okay? And also like he's so smart and he's just a little guy. So please be nice. That's
1: so <laughs> I'm rude. Glad.
0: What if he was still on the phone?
1: Again, it's so, it's so ableist.
0: <laughs> my God. Yeah. Why didn't, why? What if he didn't press end? What if Faraday heard you talking about him like this?
1: Oh my God.
0: Be nice. So- Omar says that the captain wants to talk to Frank and Saeed's like, great, I'll come with because I want to talk to the captain. And Kimi's like, well, you can't come, so I'll just tell him that you want to talk to him. And they lock Minkowski, Desmond, and Saeed in the sickbay because anybody who is annoying and a burden, they just lock away in, uh, in a gross room. Sure. So Desmond needs to go back and he tries to shine the light in his eyes again. Um, and would you say that that means that the light is flashing before his eyes? You know, I would. Whoop. There it is and Saeed's, like, you're trying to get back, like, to the island, and Desmond's freaking out, and Saeed's, like, calling him his name, and, rec- and and Minkowski recognizes his name. He's, like, oh, crap, you're Desmond? I'm George Minkowski. I'm the communications officer. And you know what? Before I got trapped in here, all the calls on this ship came through me. And sometimes I get this flashing light, and I was never allowed to answer it, and all of these were calls from Penny.
1: Bum, bum, bum.
0: Oh. bum. So she said that she doesn't know about this ship. I think that it's a... But I guess she has the phone number for it. Well, does does she say that she doesn't know about this ship or does she say that it's it's not hers? I think she says boat what boat? When? Uh when she's talking to Charlie in the season 3 finale. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I I wonder if no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm like, I'm just like trying to find like a way for her to have like known that it was an enemy boat and like mm-hmm. I don't know. Right, yeah. Why she's trying to access it, yeah. Well, clearly, like, even though it's not Penny's boat, it has something to do with Penny. Right. right? You know, like, there's definitely something going Mm -hmm. on with Penny. On, uh... Blosspedia, it was pointed out that, I mean, we know all over this show, they name characters after different philosophers, different scientists and stuff. So I'm here to talk to you about Hermann Minkowski. Um, He was uh, alive 1864 to 1909, and he was a German mathematician. Um, The space which is named after him is a mathematical construct in which Einstein's equations for special relativity are perfectly solvable. Specifically, this so-called Minkowski space is a description of four-dimensional space-time. Oh, uh, wow. Oh. I don't know anything about that, but sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, smarter guy than me. <laughs> and then, so on the commentary, Damon uh, commented on Minkowski and he said, Minkowski was absolutely essential for this story because this is another tentative, successful time travel story. The function that Q played in All Good Things, which is there, is which is there, is someone who is undergoing and understands the same events as our protagonist. Faraday can speculate as to what's happening to Desmond, but Minkowski knows what's happening to Desmond emotionally. Yes. Hmm. It's fun that da- Damon was just like, and here's exactly how I got stuff from Star Trek. I love that.
1: Oh, so good.
0: <laughs> so Desmond wakes up in a chair in Dan's office. And fun fact, I know I have a lost ship, crack ship, which is um, Desmond and Charlie, but this is my other one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't know why they're both Desmond, but they are. Meanwhile, my other Desmond ship is also in this episode. Said? Yes. <laughs> nice (laughs) and I also wrote in my notes that I think it's so funny that Sam is here for both of my Desmond crack ships because she was there for uh for greatest hits for all the Desmond and Charlie stuff and now it's phenomenal here we are for the Desmond and Faraday stuff but Dan says that Des was out for almost 75 minutes so that seems to be getting longer and he said he went catatonic in the middle of a sentence and Des is like yeah I've been noticing that also that it's been (laughs) happening in the middle of a sentence thanks. And then Dan says that he carried him all the way to the sh- chair, and I think that's a little suspicious for such a small little guy. I don't believe you. And you probably struggled a lot, I bet. Probably. I would say so. So he says, so were you in the future again? Like, how long? For, like, five minutes? Oh, for how long? <laughs> and then Desmond says for, like, five minutes. Oh. And um, on Las Pedia it said, Faraday says that while Desmond was in a catatonic state in his room at Oxford, 75 minutes had passed. Desmond perceived the same amount of time as five minutes. Oh my gosh, the math here. The mm-hmm. ratio of 75 to 5 is equivalent to 15 to 1. And then you start thinking about how, like, when I think Faraday got the... I can't remember what the exact timing was. But when Faraday got that, like, the payload sent to him by Regina a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago, if not last episode, there was, like, sort of a 15 to 1 thing there, too. It had been, like... Oh. I can't remember. But the math.
3: Um, and it also
0: said... At the auction, Widmore is bidder number seven, uh, 755, which is the same number as the time ratio. That is ju- That has to be just a, uh, a coincidence. I don't know why his <laughs> number is 755, but there's no way that that was, that was on purpose. It could have been. So, th- I mean, it could have been, but like, I mean, I guess it could have been. I don't know. <laughs> but so he's like, why is this happening? And Faraday says, I think it's getting harder and harder for you to jump back and forth. And so maybe you should be careful crossing the street. I don't know. Anyway, bye. Bye. <laughs> <He's like, laughs> Okay, see ya. Then we see that Eloise has clearly died. And she's like, oh yeah, she probably had a brain aneurysm. I'll do an autopsy later. <laughs> I'm like, you don't seem to care much about your rat. Yeah, right? Yeah, okay. no biggie. <laughs> it is, however, almost certainly a reference to flowers for Algernon. Mm. In this short story, the death of the eponymous lab mouse foreshadows the possible death of Charlie, who was undergoing the same experiment. I remember reading this for, this short story for school. I do and it and as I remember well. it being about a rat, but mm-hmm. I don't remember that much about it. So, <laughs> but yeah. So Desmond says, is that going to happen to me? And Desmond goes, yeah, seems to depend on the case. So like, maybe. And Desmond's like, um. (laughs) I'm a little concerned. Am I going to die? And he like pushes him up against the thing. And I'm like, oh, please don't hurt him. He's just a little nerd. I know he's not being very nice right now, but he's just a little guy. Please. (laughs) So Dan's like, I don't know. Her brain short circuited. So eventually she couldn't tell which was the present and which was the future. She had no anchor. Like something that's the same in both times. Like all you have around you is variables and you need a constant. And you don't have one. Like, he's making it about math. He's saying these words, like, about... In in words that he himself can understand. Not even necessarily Desmond can understand, but Dan is explaining it in his own way. And that's what's <laughs> cool about his... The sister episode, which is called The Variable Next Season. Yeah. And so he's like, you need to find something there that you care about that also exists here. And Desmond said, can it be a person? And he goes, I mean, sure, but you need to make contact. And aren't you, like, in the middle of nowhere on a boat? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have cell service in the middle of the ocean? So Des starts, he's like, I mean, try, but, like, I understand why this is maybe difficult for you. So he starts using Dan's phone, and he's like, oh, who are you calling? Um, my constant, you dumbass! Oh my god. Uh, hello? <laughs> you just told me to make contact, I'm doing it! <laughs> That's what I'm doing, bud. But the number within 24 hours has been disconnected, and Desmond's like, no! <laughs> I get it, buddy. So he tries to leave- Yeah, and he falls in the stairwell into 2004. And it's very good editing. This is my favorite one, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Uh, The one where he falls into it. And Damon said in the commentary that this was the cut that Mark showed them to convince them to just do hard cuts instead of something else. Ooh. Wow. This was the one. And then they were making jokes about how, like, instead it was going to be, like, a weird transition where it went, every single time. (laughs) And then Damon started going at every single cut um, because he's just goofy but it was cute. But hard cuts was definitely the way to go. For sure. Oh, for sure. so. So he goes back into 2004 and he falls onto the table and Said asks if he's okay. And Desmond looks up in the mirror and, you know, Minkowski points out that he looks older now. It's obviously, it's been eight years, which eight. And Desmond also is probably looking in the mirror like, I look like a caveman. When's the last time I showered? <laughs> What's wrong with me? Am I also, okay? Here's what I was like, do they, which one is the wig? Which uh, oh, which look of his is fake? Because I remember watching like some episodes of Lost when I'm like, oh, that is a fake beard, sir. Yeah, but in this one, oh, they talked about this. Yes, here, let me look it up. Let me look up the transcript of the commentary. You keep talking, okay? Because uh,
1: just and in this one, I was watching and I was like, his hair is incredible in the like island storyline.
0: Like mm-hmm. that is some immaculate hair. Um, and I would be impressed if it was a wig, uh, but I don't think it is. I think that the flash forward is a wig or the flash, or not flash forward. I guess the flash. Oh, my God. The- Jesus Christ, Daily. What the <laughs> f*** is that? For what? For why? <laughs> Sorry, finish your sentence, please. Daily, you are not getting a thank you at the end of this podcast. Jesus, I didn't even know he was sitting there. I thought he was upstairs. God, sorry, go on. It's okay. (laughs) Um, Just watching it, I was like trying to figure out which look was partially fake. And I I think that it's the, the 1996 look. I think that's a wig. Okay, here's what I found. So I don't know if this is true because Damon says, I think. So this Mm -hmm. is what Damon says. This is weird. I'm just realizing for the first time that Ian must be wearing a fake beard on the freighter because he's clean shaven here. What a great fake beard that is for all the duff we get about fake beards. Like, and here's the thing. And then Carlton said, oh, oh, go go ahead. ahead. Uh, Carlton said the reason is that basically it all comes down to time. We don't make these decisions that far ahead of time. Since this was such a long break and we had enough time, our production team was able to actually do this. So what happens is that he shaves down to a stubble. His stubble is covered with makeup, but there's enough stubble there that they adhere the beard to it. Meanwhile, his long hair is under a skull wig... Then there is short-haired wig placed over that. It's a complicated process to be able to jump him back and forth between this guy who looks like that and the clean-cut soldier in the past. So you were right. Great. Wow. Uh, I am impressed. They, They did the beard pretty well here. Yeah. I can't remember like where I I thought that the beard was wrong like in a in a different episode. Mhm. But yeah, the the his actual hair is incredible in this episode. Yeah. So, yeah. It's very good, very textured. Yeah. Great work. So, Desmond wants to call Penny and Said's like, "I don't know why you think calling your girlfriend is like a priority right now, but like it is not." <laughs> And Desmond's like, dude, trust me here. I don't know you, but you clearly know me. So if we're friends, please help me call my girlfriend. And Sight's oh. like, okay, I guess. Sure. sure. <laughs> Minkowski goes, you're getting ahead of yourself because two days ago, all of our equipment was sabotaged and all communication with the mainland is gone. Like I probably could have fixed it, but I'm indisposed and they, they locked me in a room. Mm. Yeah. So that kind of sucks. Yeah. I wonder if that'll come back. Good thing Saeed is here. (laughs) Yeah. I think that I would have like believed it less if Minkowski was like, and I tried to fix it, but I couldn't. And mm-hmm. then Said came in and did it. So I like that he said, I probably could have fixed it because he's obviously, he's a communications officer just like Saeed was in the mm-hmm. military, right? So it, I like the fact that both of them could fix it, but he just couldn't because he was sick. Exactly. So he says he'll take them to the radio room and they... They sort of, like, free him. It's sort of this moment that you're not sure what's going to happen. And I don't know if maybe I was the only one who, like, felt this. But there's a moment where he's just like, I can take you there if you free me. And it was sort of like, I'm glad that he's not. Mm -hmm. But it sort of had this foreboding feeling of like, oh, my God, I'm trapped. Help me. Mm -hmm. And secretly he was strapped down because he's dangerous and he tries to kill you. And you just let him out. You know, it sort of, like, felt like that moment. So I'm glad that he's not. But it's sort of, like, I got that feeling for a second. 100%. Yeah.
1: I think that was intentional.
0: So so Saeed goes, how are we supposed to get out? And Minkowski's like, through the door. Because it's mysteriously open now. And he's like, wow, you guys seem to have a friend on the boat. And, you know, Said and Desmond don't know that. But uh, it's clearly Ben's double agent. The audience knows that. Mm-hmm. Minkowski's nose starts bleeding and Desmond goes, uh-oh, that's the universal sign for I've got brain problems and I'm gonna die. <laughs> uh, uh-oh for you, sir. That's not so good. That's a big oopsie. (laughs) And Desmond, like, goes and gives him, like, a little Kleenex and, like, sweetly cradles his head like a baby (laughs) for a second. It's so tender. I know. I was like, what's going on here? And (laughs) Saeed says, let's go. But then he gets, um, snapped back to, uh, 1996. And it's interesting because this time they couldn't do the, like, loud to quiet thing. Like, they Mm -hmm. usually do when there's an alarm blaring, when there's water running, when there's, when it's raining or whatever. But this time, Giacchino does it with the music. Ooh. So what still mm-hmm. happens is that the music just cuts and it's really cool. It really it's is. It's so cool every time. They're so talented. So talented. Ugh, so good art. So Desmond wakes up and he leaves the stairwell and it's a good thing nobody like came across him in however long he was just laying there. <laughs> out or whatever they're just like calls the ambulance and Desmond goes to an auction at Southfields. So on Last it said Southfields the organization holding the auction is an anagram for shifted soul. Ooh. This might have been done to reflect the way that Desmond's mind or soul was shifted through time. It's possible um because I guess Southfields is not an actual auction house, but there are only a few anagrams that Damon and Carlton have said that it was 100% purposeful. So Mm -hmm. we don't have, we don't know for sure if they did this or not Mm -hmm. on purpose. So then we get some black rock lore, which is so fun. They put this in so organically. Mm -hmm. They had to give us black rock lore. Oh my goodness. They had to give us black rock lore at some point. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just love the way that they did it. And it said that the black rock set sail from Portsmouth, England on March 22nd, 1845, which makes the black rock an Aries. (laughs)
1: that makes so much sense
0: you guys i wrote that joke like two months ago and i thought it was so funny and i just came back to it in my notes just now and i was like i'm so funny that's such a funny joke (laughs) you really are but i guess dynamite wasn't involved until 1866 and they had a trading mission to siam but then it was lost to sea and the only artifact is the journal of the first mate It was taken by pirates and found off the coast of Île saint marie Madagascar, seven years later. So seven years after the Black Rock left was 1852- the content of the journal was never made public only the family of the seller knows anything and the family oh and the seller is Tovard Hanso hmm. so the Hanso family is one of the only parts of lost lore that is m- the most unclear to me Ooh. whenever yes. we hear about the Hanso family I'm just like mm, yeah Dharma stuff <laughs> but like yes. I don't I don't think I fully understand anything about the Hanso family I would agree with that so because I also I think. started doing some research and I was like this is so much. <laughs> <laughs> this is so much work into the Hanso family when they just talked about it for one second. But what we know is Magnus Hanso is the name of the man who owned the Black Rock originally. Alvar Hanso founded the Hanso Foundation, which financed the Dharma Initiative. And then they also control the Apollo Candy Company. Huh. Oh. So that's what we know about the Hanso family. Fun fact that I found on Laspedia. <laughs> in J.J. Abrams' film, Mission Impossible 3, the Hanso Foundation received a special thanks in the closing credits. That's oh, crazy. Man, that's a fun fact. Huh. Well, that's cute. So then I did more. <laughs> I just went way far into the Hansel Foundation. Yeah. So it turns out the reason why the Hansel Foundation is so unclear to me is because it's only mentioned like three times in the whole show. Really? And only alluded to like a few times. That's crazy. I know. And I was like, I feel like I feel like they talk about the Hansel Foundation or the Hansel family so much, and I'm always like, yeah. whatever that means. But it turns out they never talk about them. Which is why I don't really get <laughs> what's going on with the Hansel Foundation ever. That's so weird. Anyway, that's the deep dive I went into the Hansel Foundation when I was doing these notes two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There you go. So anyway, back to the uh, back to the auction. The lot number for it is twenty three forty two um, numbers, yeah. um, and it starts going to it starts going for. 150,000 pounds, which is 15, but then it goes up to 160,000, which is 16. There was a little, uh, actually, which is during the auction, bidders can be seen using laptops that did not exist in 1996. (laughs) Instead, they're using models that were at least produced from 2004 on onwards. So oopsie days. Yeah, that is an oopsie. Whenever, um, whenever you go back in time farther than like two years, I feel like people are like, actually that technology's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time. So Desmond comes in and there's like a guard there who says you need a reservation to enter. And Desmond's like, oh, I'm good. I just want to talk to Widmore for a sec. He's like, I don't have <laughs> enough money to buy anything in here. So I just literally want to talk to this guy. And I'm not really sure why he thinks that that guard would let him do that. Oh yeah, right. sure, just go in for a second. Like, like, <laughs> no, uh, like, that's a real, real solid alibi, my guy. Yeah, he's like, okay, well, let me just lose my job real quick. Like, right. no, I'm good. Right. So the journal ends up being sold for 380,000 pounds to bitter 755, who is Charles Woodmore. And interesting that he seems to care so much about getting this journal might be a clue for later. Hmm, interesting. Put that in your brain bank and remember that. <laughs> interest. So Desmond gets his attention and he's like, what? Desmond? Aren't you in the military? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> and the guard's like, oh my god, Mr. Woodmore, sorry. <laughs> and Woodmore's like, it's fine. Um, Come with me. On Lostpedia, it said, after the auctioning of the Black Rock Ledger, some of Charles Dickens's belongings are placed up for bidding. Desmond himself has a deep relationship with Dickens' novels since the telling... Our mutual friend is supposed to be the last novel he ever wants to read before he dies. Mm-hmm. So, um, just like, you know, Charles Dickens and Desmond. Nice. So we go into the bathroom and Widmore is fully peeing in front of him. <laughs> Men are so gross. And Woodmore's like, okay, what? And this is really interesting because it clearly shows the respect that he has for Desmond, which is none. Yep. That he's like, I'm going to be in here anyway, so you can only talk to me while I'm in the bathroom. And then I right. have other things to do that you don't deserve my time for.
1: Yep. Ugh. I had a note that just said... I don't understand urinals. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. That's so random. So what,
0: is it like a little, it's like a little bowl in the bottom and then you, and then the bowl gets full of yeah, but like, pee and then you flush it or what happens? You're so?
1: like next to your boss or whatever and you guys just like <laughs> whip your dicks out. Like, yeah. Like
0: it's, it's, I sort of understand the ones that have like at least a barrier between urinals. hmm
2: mm-hmm.
0: But like the ones where it's just like a straight up wall and like. That is not enough privacy. Right. This is weird. You guys are weird. <laughs> It is not enough privacy. And what about the ones on the ground? Yeah. <laughs> what are the ones on the ground for? I don't know. I've never used one, obviously. Anyway. <laughs> My only note here was when Charles Woodmore catches these hands. <laughs> yeah, literally. I, I I hate this man. <laughs> I was surprised at how many thoughts I had just on this scene of Woodmore peeing in a bathroom and washing his hands. I... I don't know why I, like, fixated on this, but when I was re-watching last night, he, like, after going to the bathroom, he goes and he grabs a towel before, like, to put the soap on his hand so he doesn't actually touch the soap dispenser. And then he doesn't actually touch the, like, faucet either. Mm. Like, he's using the, the towel. And I was like, is that how much you don't want to touch that? Like, I don't know. And then I was like, maybe he just doesn't want to touch it because he has penis hands right now. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how it works. Don't have one, so... Anyway, I don't know why I was fixated on that last night when I was watching. I was like, why isn't he touching it? Right. (laughs) I don't know. So Desmond goes, hey, I need to talk to Penny. She has a disconnected number. And Widmore, who just wants to stab Desmond in the chest, goes, hey, once upon a time, if you had proposed to her, she would have said yes, but you're a coward. And it's like- And he's like, cool, thanks. It's like his fault that he didn't propose. Yeah. He's like, oh, you want a second chance now? And Desmond's like, why do you hate me? And he's like, it's not me who hates you. And I'm like, pretty sure no, it you is, you do this, <laughs> though. <laughs> yeah, Pretty sure you do. And here's the thing. Not to take Widmore's side here because I hate him. But maybe he <laughs> hates you because, first of all, he never thought you were good enough. And then you proved him right by breaking his daughter's heart.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, you know? yes,
0: but also like it's it is his fault. Like he psyched him out. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Desmond didn't break up with Penny because he didn't love her anymore. He broke mm-hmm. up with Penny because Charles Woodmore made him feel like a speck of dirt on the ground. Yeah, and that he didn't deserve her. Yeah,
1: he he instigated it.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then Woodmore leaves the water running for like a really long time, which I also think is telling that he doesn't care about wasting water. Nope. <laughs> I don't know why I went in uh, on the details on this man going to the bathroom, but I did. And so he gives him her address.
2: I need to get in touch with Penny. I don't know how to reach her and her number's being disconnected. There was a time when, if you'd have asked her to marry you, I'm certain she'd have said yes. Fortunately, your cowardice won out instead. I take it you've had
1: second thoughts, and you'd like her to give you another
2: chance. Why do you hate me so much? (laughs) Not
0: me who hates you. Here's her address.
3: I'll let her tell you herself.
0: It's obviously important uh to Desmond, but I actually think this sucks in his bad dad behavior. Not that I thought he was a good dad, but like if she wants to get away from him and literally changed her phone number, maybe don't give her address to him. Honestly, surprised oh, yeah. that he does give it. Because he yeah. he hates this guy. And like yeah. I've I'm, I'm just I'm just surprised that this works. Yeah. I think it's important for the story, but not a good dad behavior. No, I think it kind of proves. But like, I mean, he's not a good dad anyway.
1: Yeah, correct. correct. I think it kind of proves that like he's not doing, he's never doing any of this out of Penny's best interest. Mm -hmm. He's doing it because he has a stupid childish rivalry with Desmond. Yeah,
0: I wonder if he just wants to hurt Desmond more because he like knows that Penny is going to like reject him again. Mm -hmm. And so he just like sends like the absolute humor. And being like, Yeah, she won't fall in love with you again. Which yeah. she does because he goes to see her or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, she won't fall in love with you again. She's just gonna hurt you hurt you and that's what I want. Right. Jeez. Like, like, man. He's insane. I guess hmm. I don't know. Like, Charles Widmore is not all-knowing, which is interesting because, like, and we haven't seen Eloise in a while. It's been since Flashes Before Your Eyes. But we know that Eloise seems to be this sort of, like, all-knowing being based on who she was in Flashes Before Your Eyes. And we get a rat named after her this episode. Mm-hmm. Charles Widmore <laughs> isn't that, but it also feels like he's doing more stuff to try and get Desmond to go to the island or something. Like, de- like Charles Widmore isn't trying to get Desmond to go to the island, but it feels like the things that Charles Widmore does is what pushes him to do that. Yeah. Because in 1996, he hasn't done that yet. And Charles Widmore doesn't know that he's going in and out of time. No. I don't know. (laughs) It's confusing. So (laughs) he gives the address, which I hate. Dez tries to turn off the water, but then he flips over to 2004 again. So I was wondering if, like, wouldn't it be cool if instead of, like, standing over the bed that he's standing over if because they're clearly still in the um the doctor's room and so instead if he was like over by the mirror or over by the sink or something then i could say that like maybe his brain is trying to like grasp for some sort of constant Oh, yeah. You know? Sink, mm-hmm. sink. But the only time that it happens is the phone, I think. Mm. And there's a lot of phone stuff this episode, including, like, the red phone that he calls Penny on and everything. Right. But I just thought it would be interesting if maybe he like, he was, like, standing over the sink in both ways. Because, like, it would make sense to me that his phone is, like, trying to find something. Yeah. And can't quite catch something, you know? Mm-hmm. I thought that would be cool. They didn't do that, but that's okay. <laughs> So Minkowski tells him, like, I know it's hard and it's going to start happen- happening faster, so it's going to get worse. And I think they start heading out and everything. And so Desmond asks how this happened to Minkowski. And he says, well, we were anchored here near the island and we were super bored. So me and Brandon wanted to see the island. I think it's interesting the word anchor here. Like, I mean, he's using it literally because they're on a boat, but also like Faraday, I think, used the word anchor to say that mm-hmm. like he's trying to anchor himself in time. Right. right. Uh, and this Brandon guy is only brought up this one time. We never see him, obviously, because because he's already dead. But Minkowski says he started acting weird so we went back and now he's dead. So, oh, so maybe this is how Faraday knows this stuff because he saw it happen to Brandon. Okay. Oh. That's my that's my headcanon now. Cuz <laughs> how else cuz cuz it happened to Minkowski after Faraday left or or right. it was just starting cuz he talked to Minkowski on the phone and he was yeah. fine. Okay. That's my headcanon. So, <laughs> they get to the comms room. It's clearly really screwed up and Minkowski says he doesn't know who did it, but he's worried for the captain to find out. And I think that's kind of weird that the captain doesn't know. Right. Already? Maybe he does, and Minkowski just doesn't know because he's been in sick bay. I don't know. We're going to meet the captain, I think, next episode anyway. So, honestly, pretty handsome. So, look forward <laughs> to it. And so he passes out in the middle of a sentence. And honestly, it kind of feels like it was played for laughs. At this point, yeah. Yeah, a bit. He's just like, bonk. Yeah. Oh, and then here's where I had my note about Desmond's past consciousness traveling and Minkowski's present consciousness traveling, which is really interesting. We talked about it earlier. Yeah. And so Saeed's like, okay, well, Anyway, uh, I'm gonna try and get this going, and then you gotta explain some stuff to me. <laughs> said says that he can fix it, but he needs a second. And also, like, do you have the number? And Desmond's like, "Ew, eight oh." He's like, "I don't, no. but I'll get it." <laughs> uh oh. On the commentary, Mark said that his favorite line in the whole episode is when Said sees this absolutely trash. Trashed place, wires sticking everywhere, and he goes, I need a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So that's his favorite. So Minkowski starts seizing all over the place. Desmond's trying to bring him back, and he looks up and sees that it's 2004. And he's like, Whoa, weird. And Said's like, Oh, yeah, it's almost Christmas. And it's funny because Desmond's like, It's 2004. And Said's like, Oh, it's a different month than I thought it was. (laughs) Not a different year, you know? (laughs) On Mosspedia, it said, According to the calendar on the wall, as well as Desmond, the real time events of this episode take place. On day 94, which is Christmas Eve, two days after Saeed, Desmond, and Frank left the island. So it has literally been two days that they missed. Huh. I like that weird little bit of continuity. Yeah, yeah. So Desmond's nose starts bleeding as well. Um, Minkowski isn't able to get back and he dies. And Desmond says, We gotta go fast because otherwise this is gonna happen to me. And this is just another like shot computer thing that da- Damon was talking about. Mm-hmm. They, this, it's stakes and it's a ticking clock and mm-hmm. they do that really well. Yeah. So in 1996, he wakes up on the floor of the bathroom and the sink is like overflowing. So I guess he never got around to turning it off. Yeah. Who knows how long it was, but you're telling me that no one came into this bathroom in, in that time? <laughs> because it was 75 minutes with Dan, I just imagine, like, some rich person walking in and being like, I don't want to deal with this. And just walking out. <laughs> They're like, that's not my business. <laughs> yeah, that's is not something I need to deal with. And, like, just not telling anybody about it. I I imagine, like, five or six people doing <laughs> right clearly if they care as much as charles woodmore does you know precisely so desmond gets the address and he heads to penny's house which is 423 shane walk which 4 and 23 <laughs> on Las Pedia it said it is near where desmond's photograph with penny was taken and in addition woodmore industries has its offices in the same neighborhood huh so that's pretty cool all in the oh. same sort of place shane walk is a famous street in london known for its famous inhabitants residents have included mick jagger keith richards george elliott dante Rossetti and henry james who wrote the turn of the screw which is the book that um the orientation film was behind in Mm -hmm. the hatch i love that um they like clearly were very deliberate about all these locations Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah for sure um it also said outside penny's house in 1996 desmond passes a parking fee collection machine the type features a solar panel on top that powers it and these were not introduced nationwide in the uk until 2002 Oh my god! Can you guys take out that parking fee collection machine just to record this, please? Yeah. <laughs> Get that out. Also, like, you know what? Actually, I've changed my mind. That's fair because they probably put that in. Like, they don't have those in Hawaii. They probably put that in to make it look more like the UK. So, actually, you know what? That's their bad. bad. Yeah. <laughs> I- I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to this person on Laspedia. Yeah. Nice. They can have that one. Yeah. So she opens the door and she goes, "Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what?" why are you here? <laughs> and he's like, you disconnected your phone. She's like, yeah, because you kept calling me. And I moved. She's like, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to quit you cold turkey. Can you go? Right. You're not helping. He goes, yeah, I'll go. I just need your new phone number. And she's like, in what world? Yeah, absolutely not. Would I give you that? Hard no. Like, have you been paying attention to the conversation <laughs> that we've been having for like three days? Yeah. He's like, I made a huge mistake and I shouldn't have left you. And she's like, hey, this really sucks of you to say right now. Yeah. This is really bad. And she's valid. For sure. She always is. Oh, so true. Penny's always the best. And he's like, I know it's too late to fix it, but please listen to me. So she's like, okay. So she lets him in and she goes, fine, but then you have to leave. And he's like, yep, no problem. But, um, and hey, I know this is weird, but eight years from now, I need to call you. So I need your number. (laughs) And she goes, huh? Excuse me? (laughs) What? What? He goes, if there's any part of you that still believes in us, give me your phone number. And she's like, yeah, and you're going to call me constantly? And he goes, no, I won't call you for eight years. Iconic, iconic moment. I honestly, won't call you for eight honestly years. Ian's best work. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Christmas Eve of 2004. This is a Christmas episode. You watch this on Christmas. It's a Christmas episode. It is. it is. Oh, I frequently, like after watching this for the first time, I frequently would watch it on Christmas Eve. For sure. Just
2: say what you need to say and then go.
3: I know this doesn't make any sense because it doesn't make any sense to me. But eight years from now, I... I need to call you and I can't call you if I don't have your number. What? Look, Penny, just just give me your number. I, I, know, I know I've know i ruined things. I know you think things are over between us, but, but they're not. If there's any part of you that still believes in us, just... Just give me a number. You must say you wouldn't call me tonight or tomorrow? I won't call. Eight years, December the 24th, 2004.
2: Christmas Eve, a promise, please, Ben. If I give you the number, will you leave?
0: And she goes, fine, then will you leave? And he's like, yeah, for sure. And she gives it. And he just starts, like, memorizing it. And she's like, you're not even going to write it down? <laughs> I love that moment. She's like, hello? And he's like, nah, it wouldn't help. And she's like, in <laughs> eight years? Okay. Okay, then. He's like, you wouldn't understand. And she's like, you're <laughs> fucking out of your mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, he's like, okay, don't change your number, okay? And she's like, oh my god, okay, just go. Please leave.
1: Damn.
0: Oh my god. On Pedia it said, oh boy, the... 020 region code was not introduced until 22nd of april 2000 before this london had a code for outer london which is 0181 and central london which was 0171 and the local number had seven digits not eight all 0171 numbers were converted to 0207 on this date so penny's number would have originally been 0171 Nine four six zero eight nine three. Oof! Wow. So so I like that they they shortcut around that by having him say it's a London number. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh good point. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, because that that's another thing that I like w- w- was worried about because like in the middle of my childhood we suddenly had to start adding that area code for every single phone number. You know, because my mm-hmm. number was only seven digits for like a long time, and then we started having to add those those three digits on on the front. So I was like really worried that like, she didn't change her number, but it's a different number and it's not going to work. Right. So I'm just amazed that Saeed knew what the London code was. Shout out. So smart. Yes. So back in 2004, Desmond sort of, it seems like he sort of lost consciousness there a little bit, but so it's getting, it's getting worse. But Saeed doesn't really seem to notice, like he keeps talking to him like normal, so it can't have been very long. And he goes, says, Kate, remember, you got to remember that number. And Desmond goes, yep, I got it. Yep. It's it's right here. (laughs) Saeed's like, Wow. I mean, you didn't know it 20 seconds ago, but right. okay. I'm done. It came to me in a vision. <laughs> yeah. On Lastpedia, it was pointed out that Said is asked to perform urgent electronic repairs under mysterious circumstances and calmly does so without demanding a full explanation, just like in uh, 203 orientation when the uh, aforementioned shot computer occurs. Indeed. There you go. So he says the battery might not last very long and I hope she answers, which of course reminds me of like stuff in the pilot and everything when Saeed is like always talking about how the batteries won't last long, especially in pilot part two. Yep. A quote from Damon from the commentary. He said, you guys should know that we look at a director's cut or an editor's cut and then sit in the editing room and give notes. It's a fairly extensive back and forth process. What you are about to watch is what Mark presented to us. It is the editor's cut. We did not change a frame of any of this. And what you see is what we got. Wow. Which is the the scene with um, Desmond and Penny. That's oh, it's cool. so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Shout out, Mark. That's why you're on the commentary, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I yeah. rewatching this this scene in particular like the the whole first
1: like majority of the episode I'm just like yeah, yeah. this is a great episode I'm I'm having a good mm-hmm. time like I
0: I've seen this yeah uh-huh and then I get yep. to this scene and I'm like full body chills verge of tears mm-hmm. like yep. Yep. to the core it's insane yeah. yeah for sure and mark is an absolute genius so after this he says that this scene and the scene that jack and kate of jack and kate saving charlie in all the best cowboys have daddy issues was his favorite scene that he cut so knowing that he cut this scene and that scene which was like one of the most emotional scenes in the whole show i'm just like mark yeah. and emmy for you mark great work
1: oh, truly just
0: for you mark <laughs> truly yeah. So the phone rings, and we see him walking away from her house, and she looks out the window, which, to me, tells us that she hasn't given up on him. Based on her giving him the phone number and her looking out the window at him,
1: yeah, mm-hmm.
0: she's definitely still there for him. Definitely. I mean, obviously, she waited eight years um, and has been <laughs> looking for him. But also, shout out, because the phone ring is usually so much more annoying. Like, I couldn't help but imagine this beautiful music was over, like, the FaceTime ring or the Skype ring. Oh my God. <laughs> Skype's like, do, 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 do. <laughs> I just thought that would be so funny. So she answers and he says, oh my God, you answered. And she's at home with her Christmas tree. I, I just like imagine her in 1996, like circling in her calendar, Christmas Eve, 2008. This is oh. the time. Like, I just, I wonder, I wonder if she remembers. I like, I wonder if, I, I feel like she has to have remembered because yeah. yeah. otherwise
1: Penny's not a, like, she's not a nobody. She doesn't have like mm-hmm. zero friends.
0: You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah, if it's Christmas Eve, you're doing something. I feel like she, right. yeah, for sure, deliberately remembers and doesn't make plans just so she can be home just in case. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? That's a good point, because I was about to ask. I wonder if like she just happens to be at home and gets the call and it's like, oh, my God, I forgot about you saying that. Or if she was like, today's the day and I, it better happen or I'm going to be like she's been waiting for three years since he got since he got um on the island mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. day, knowing that she's supposed to get a, a phone call. Like I, I think that yes, she has been, and that she wasn't entirely sure it would happen, which like explains her like overwhelm of emotion. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But like that, she had hoped it would happen, and she hasn't talked to him in three years. Yeah. Like she knows. I mean, she says that that because of Charlie, she knew that he was alive and that she wasn't doing it all for nothing. But she's. But she. It's been so long since she's heard his voice. Oh, but like romance. This isn't. This is, dude, 1996 isn't the last time that she sees him before he goes, right? Like, that's the stadium? Correct. Is when, is the last time? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. He's like about to leave at that point. Yeah. yeah. So she goes, she's at home with her Christmas tree, and she says, Where are you? And he says, I'm on a boat, I've been on an island, and you can see him, yes. like, this is when it all comes back to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ian does such a good job of making the exact moment clear when he gets all his memories back. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. great. And like, yeah. Oh my gosh, art. And the editing here as well, because you cut to Said, who's been like worried about him the entire time. Yeah. And when when Desmond says, I've been on an island, Saeed also knows that he has gotten his memories back. And yeah, like he's right. relieved oh. for his friend. Oh my god, it's so good. Oh, so many big moments in this in this one scene. And so she says, "I've been looking for you for three years." And she says that she knows about the island and, like I said, knew he was still alive when she spoke to Charlie. And he says that he's always loved her and he's so sorry. And then she says she loves him too. And it's beautiful and it's romance and they promise to find each other and they say that they will never give up. And then the battery dies, but they said everything they needed to say, you know. They did. Oh, it's so beautiful. Just, like, the, the like, back and forth of the I love yous. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Mark does such a good job. Huge, huge ups to Sonya. Huge ups to Ian. Huge ups to Jack Bender. Huge ups to um Damon and Carlton for writing it. And huge ups to Mark for editing it. Truly, mm-hmm. uh, everybody who um was part of it made it the iconic scene that it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, oh.
1: And I feel like, I feel like this scene is, like, the
0: epitome of Lost's like staying power I think. Like there are other
1: scenes that are up there with this one as far as like iconic moments in Lost obviously Mm -hmm. but this to me is why Lost is so successful like as a show and like why it sticks with people. It's like Mm -hmm. the the theories and the
0: the science and all of that is compelling and it it encourages you to engage with the show but at its core Lost is a love story on multiple levels, yes, mm-hmm. and like it, like even I could get more into this, I guess, in the spoiler section, but like even sure. with the finale, it's it comes back to it was a love story the whole time, like exactly. it was a science fiction love story, but it was a love story and a million different types of love, too, exactly 100%. Oh, Sam, <laughs> great work, so true, it snaps for Sam. It's a love story, <laughs> it really is. I, I am a strong believer in all of the best stories are love stories. It's so true. A hundred percent. hundred billion percent. Yes. Like, it doesn't have to be romantic love. Like, in this case, it is a romantic love story in this episode. Yeah. But, like, every good story is about love in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: that's so true.
0: That's so true. <laughs> whether, it be, whether it be family, whether it be friendship, whether it be... Yeah, a hundred percent. Absolutely. So the battery dies and it's just a beautiful moment where he just stares at the phone and Desmond remembers everything and he thanks Saeed so much and everything's okay again and it's lovely and I just think that Adele wrote hello or performed hello for Desmond and Penny. I just think that it's a song about them. Oh it's beautiful. There's no no way she
1: didn't.
0: (laughs) So last scene Dan goes flipping through his journal and sees that he wrote this thing in 1996, and he's like, I, I guess I wrote this, but I just met this guy, <laughs> which is weird. And it says that that if anything bad were to happen, that his constant would be Desmond. It's crazy, and that's real gay, and also like kind of weird because like that's like just a, a big choice because I guess. Faraday knows that he's gonna meet Desmond in the future but like he only met Desmond that one time in the past so mm-hmm. that just feels like that's a that's a big thing to pick as your constant <laughs> that's a gamble you know what I mean it's it's a leap of faith I well I feel like that's also right uh that's such a good point Casey but I also feel like it's sort of indicative of what we were saying earlier which is he, he doesn't really have a lot of friends in the past oh you're right he's just a little guy Guess so well, like
1: only. So this, oh. this interaction has such a huge impact on him that it, I, I think it honestly does
0: change the trajectory of his life. Oh, you're so right. So. Oh, for sure. And he didn't even know or remember. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sweet Dan. <laughs> and yeah, that's just real gay and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, crack ship. But uh, the last thing I had here was just another thing from Laspedia, which is that a Faraday constant is a thing. So Faraday Excuse wrote me? in his journal, if anything goes wrong, <laughs> Desmond Hume will be my constant. In physics and chemistry, the Faraday constant is the amount of electric charge per mole of electrons. The Faraday constant was named after British scientist uh, Michael Faraday, who we've talked about in the past couple episodes, and is widely used in calculations in electrochemistry. So huh. there is, you know, uh, the Faraday constant is its own thing, which is also very cool. Wow. Ah, art. Thanks for talking about it with me, guys. Oh, <laughs> It's such
1: a good episode. Hey, anytime.
0: Is there anything else you guys wanted to say before we go into segments and then the spoilers? I think, um, I think we got it all. Let me just double check my oh, little notes, app.
1: My only note was really lucky that this was in a time when landlines were, like, still the thing. hmm You know?
0: Right, right. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, oh, this episode and stuff would not have worked in a, uh in a later time that's (laughs) why people are just like what would lost be like if it was made today and i'm like listen some things would would be better but not a (laughs) lot of things and i would like to keep it the way it is thank you exactly yeah so now it's time for segments our first segment of course is our favorite line award uh mine goes to dan and desmond for
3: uh calling? calling my bloody constant
0: First of all, iconic. Second of all, funny, because uh, Dan, you just told me to make contact with somebody
1: <laughs> <laughs> with my constant. And who do you think I'm calling? I'm literally doing what we just talked about.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: And my favorite line Ward is inaudible, but... It goes to Daniel Faraday for him flipping through his notebook and seeing if anything goes wrong, Desmond Hume will be my constant. Not
0: oh. great for an audio medium, but nope. check out that gift that I'll make for it. <laughs> exactly.
1: That's what I was thinking yeah. of. If you know, you know. Perfect.
0: Perfect. And honestly, so good. Yeah. It's such, yeah. A, it's such a good like revelation of a moment too, because like, yeah, who would see that coming? Nobody. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great button to the end of a great episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my favorite line award goes to uh, Desmond and Penny, obviously, for...
3: I love you, Penny. I've always loved you. I'm so sorry. I love you. I love you, too i don't know where
2: i am but i'll find you days. i promise no matter what i'll come back to you, and won't you i promise i,
0: promise. I, I love, love you, you. um <laughs> uh it's beautiful iconic yeah it brings me romance years even after <laughs> masterpiece six years having seen it mm-hmm. for the first time yeah wow yeah beautiful uh our next segment is man of science man of faith um and this episode we're talking about desmond obviously so um would you guys say that desmond is more of a man of science or a man of faith this episode
1: oh that's a man of faith faith
0: for sure (laughs) he really puts his faith in dan he's like the only person that he can You know, Mm -hmm. I know that uh, Damon had said in the commentary that, like, the Q um, character is Minkowski because um, he, like, understands what he's going through. Mm -hmm. But I really feel like Dan sort of covers that, too, because he's, like, the only person that Desmond can talk to that feels like he takes him seriously, properly. Oh, yeah. And helps give him some, like, advice, sort of. For sure. Absolutely. And I think that, like, he, Desmond is trusting a
1: lot of science, in this episode mm-hmm. but it's not that he is the the scientific person he is the person who is just believing it even though he does not understand it right
0: mm-hmm. I feel like we talked about this at some point, but there's, like, I can't, and I and it probably wasn't Dan, but it was something about how, like, Dan is a man of science, but it's based in faith. Mm-hmm. And then it's, Ooh. like, another character is, like, a man of faith, but it's, like, based in science or something. We talked about this at some point. I can't remember what it was, yes. but that's sort of what it feels like, at least in this episode for Dan. For that sure. That it's, like, he he has all this science, but what he's doing is he's using his... He has... It's, like, he has faith in science.
1: Yeah. and it, Yeah, for sure.
0: Like, in a different way that, like, that jack doesn't i feel like jack doesn't have a have faith in science he just knows it's science
1: yeah it's he's exactly. kind of using his faith to guide his science and like yeah he's using his impulses and his feelings to kind of guide him towards figuring out
0: yeah absolutely love it Mwah. did they do the thing the thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode um the word constant is said four times and it is written once but they never say the constant but either way i will uh put that in there
3: all this you this is all variables. It's random, it's chaotic. Every equation needs stability, something known. It's called a constant. Desmond, you have no constant. This constant, can it be a person? Uh, who are you calling? him? I call him my bloody constant.
0: New segment. How likable is Jack this episode? Zero um, out of ten. What do you guys think? He doesn't do a lot, but what 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 does he? What do you think? Given given that he only speaks like a handful of times, I'm gonna give him like a six, I guess. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I will
1: give him a four.
0: But you, Casey, because
1: when he does speak, I wish he would just shut up.
0: Great. And as... When he does speak, I wish it was Juliet speaking. Exactly. (laughs) And as previously stated, I sort of, like, start at a hard five, and then if he does something I don't like, I go down. If he does something I do like, it it goes up. He did so little this episode that I'm going to give him a five. So we really, from four to six is uh, how (laughs) likable Jack is this episode. Next segment, asexual Faraday question mark, question mark, question mark. So much Faraday content and nothing that ruins it. I know that it will never ruin it, which is what I love about it it. But yeah, nothing. We're good. Yay. And how many episodes since the last knockout? Five? Wait, I think it's actually six now. I almost feel like we've turned over a new leaf here. And so I almost feel like it's not necessary to have... (laughs) <laughs> have this segment anymore
1: there is a lot less punching going yeah
0: on. for sure and a lot I feel like there's got to be more let's keep it for now does this episode pass the Bechtel test <laughs> I do not think so
1: no this episode can't really it, um, no
0: not enough women no. in this
1: episode to pass the Bechtel test I don't think
0: right I feel like we've got like Julia and Charlotte they sort of like talk a little bit but it's not I mean like they are talking about science but they're talking about science in relation to them Man. And it's not long enough, I also no. think. So yeah. I'm going to say no for this episode. But, hey, great up. <laughs> Still, good one. And as we always say, there are other uh, there are other tests that um, are just as good and, and more important about media. But this is the one that we have a segment for. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Great. Can I do um, my segment that I do on other podcasts? Oh, yes. Yes, please. <laughs> my segment
1: on our other pods, is what is Sam shipping the most? And I feel like it's obviously uh,
0: Desmond and Penny, clearly. What? Yeah, But I will give an honorable mention to (laughs) Desmond and Saeed, because uh, that is my secondary ship for probably this whole thing. I love that. Like, here's the thing. Why is it always Desmond? Is Desmond just, like, a little bit fruity? Maybe. Well, Desmond is also just, like, The He's just the easiest to multi-ship. You know what I mean? It's true. He has chemistry with everybody. Yeah, he'll wink at anybody. I feel like he's constantly flirting. Yeah, I really do.
1: That's a flirty man.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: stay tuned for a segment after the outro we'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers so proceed with caution
0: thank you so much for listening to this episode
1: our music is terminal but good news tunes
0: uh thank you so much to the creators and community at lostpedia uh without them we would be lost it's there would be a lot less content in this (laughs) podcast oh
1: yes. our spoiler song was composed and produced by francis knees
0: and thank you so much to whoever cooperated in the same place as us during this podcast i would thank my dog but he scared me by (laughs) barking in the middle of it So no thank you to Daly. Aw. Thank you to everybody else.
1: Yeah, no thank you to my dog who decided to, he was literally <laughs> sleeping silently for four hours and then right as we start recording, he's like, I'm gonna like, get up this now. this is about
0: me. <laughs> Not the good day for dogs. Uh, big shout out to Brittany and Emily for chilling and vibing um, and also Brittany for ordering me lunch.
1: Oh, so nice. An icon. Best. If you are so inclined, please write us a review wherever you're listening or recommend us to a friend.
0: We'd really appreciate that. Uh, if you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. Um, we did seasons four to seven as they were airing and now we're going back to do the good old days, me and Sam. If you're interested <laughs> in more Sam content, we are currently doing season two, as I said. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. It's crazy to think that the final season is in the midst of happening when this finally comes out, but uh, catch up. You don't have to watch Riverdale to listen to it. Sam, did you want to talk about our Stranger Things podcast? I love our Stranger Things podcast, Robin. Um if you're I know. <laughs> if you're a fan of Stranger Things we like to talk about that show too. We have covered the first 3 seasons as well as the first episode at least when this comes out. At least, yeah. Of season 4? Um, we're currently covering season four, uh, while we, uh, try to fill the, the achingly long gap between now and season five. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think it's the most similar of our podcasts to this
1: one. And it's really fun. You can follow at the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram, uh, mostly Twitter, but Robin does make GIFs of our favorite line wards on Tumblr, where you'll be able to find the GIF of Faraday (laughs) looking at his notebook. Okay. You won't be (laughs) able to hear it, but you'll be able to see it. So, (laughs) (laughs) Go check that out.
0: And uh, as stated previously, our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating. Um, It's expensive to make. It's free for you to listen to, but it is expensive to make. Uh, and even with our time as well, it takes a long time. There was that, this thing on Twitter that was like, how long does it take to make like one? I, I can't remember how long it says. Oh, man, I'm really bungling this. <laughs> <laughs> It was like a question. I don't know. I, I don't know. It was a question that's like, how long does it take to make something or whatever? I think it takes me like upwards of 15 hours all put together to put a one episode of this podcast. So I'd really appreciate your help. If not, check out our small businesses. And if not, just recommend us to a friend because that's free and it also helps. So thanks so much. you guys <laughs> That for- is
1: so many hours.
0: It is, uh, you know, after doing notes and then uh, rewatching and then recording and then editing and then I have to listen to the edit and then after it comes out I have to uh, I listen to it again to make sure I didn't screw up anything and if I have to fix anything like all of that put together I would say it has to be upwards of upwards of fifteen hours.
1: I am so I sorry you have to listen to me
0: that much, Casey. Uh, it's okay because you say such smart things. You're a delight.
1: <laughs> ugh, but my voice, ugh, that sounds terrible. Okay,
0: listen, you all of the all the listeners are like, wait, maybe I do hate Casey's voice. I'm gonna stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> I want to blame you guys. Okay, I get it. <laughs> stop. Uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E Jeffrey. That's R O B Y N E J F F R E Y. Pretty much everywhere.
1: And you can follow me on Twitter at Casey Watches TV, which is watches tv
0: <laughs> and thank you so much to sam for joining us yay. yay uh it was a delight to be here where can we follow you um you can yeah. follow me on twitter at sam Casey's, which is s-a-m-c-i-s-e-y-s uh i think instagram is the same
1: but with an underscore but who cares and that's why i always mess up spelling my name because <laughs> you, you do add an s yes yeah
0: yes <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's happened on- I leave it in the edit. More than one occasion. <laughs> I leave it in the edit. I love you. I think it's delightful. Thanks to Sam for joining us. And if uh, you guys are hungry for more Sam, oh boy, we have more podcasts with Sam Asana. <laughs> she, is an, she is an official fictionado. So um, check it out. Yeah. And uh, next episode is episode 406. It is called The Other Woman. And we're going to be having Dari on. Never had her on before, but she has had this episode uh, chosen for like two years. So Incredible. Maybe three? I don't know. But it's been a while that she's had this episode uh, saved, so I'm um, excited to have her on. Nice. <gasps> Hell oh, yeah. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love
1: you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye.
0: Stop in a, in a day okay. of spoilers. Uh, spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler, spoiler. Yay. Spoilers. Woohoo. Okay, let me get my spoiler thoughts. Spoilers. I feel like I didn't have a lot of spoilers until like halfway through the episode and then I had a bunch. Oh yeah. Let's see. Okay. Oh, the bootstrap paradox. There's another example of the bootstrap paradox in um, Lost. So here it is. Richard's compass. Richard Alpert gave Locke his compass, instructing him to give it back to him the next time Locke saw him in Because You Left. Mm -hmm. When Locke time shifted to 1954 in Jughead, he gave the compass to Richard in order to prove he was from the future. In 2007, the man in black posing as Locke told Richard to give the compass to Locke, thereby creating a time loop. In Follow the Leader. It is also something of a self-contained paradox since the compass was never created. Oh shit.
1: Oh my god.
0: The compass just be moving around in time forever. Sick. That's, That's weird. <laughs> yeah, weird to think about. Yeah. The next thing I had was why Dan goes to the island, which I think we were talking about with, like, Dan being like, why would I go to an island and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So basically, like, we learn eventually that Dan's dad is Charles Widmore. So, like, he's literally talking to, like, Penny's half-brother when he's... Right, that's crazy. ...here talking to him. And his mom is Eloise, Yes. So, like, Charles Widmore is the one who, like, comes to him and, like, sends him money to try and help him get his memory back and tells him to, like, go on this. Because it's Charles Widmore's boat. And so Charles Widmore is the one who gets Dan to go to the island, basically. He, like, convinces him and gives him money to go do so. Oh, right, right,
1: right, 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 right.
0: And so that's the reason why he goes is because... His dad makes him. <laughs> I think it's fascinating that like he doesn't know it's his dad. I don't think. The two boats do belong to siblings. I guess. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And um, I think it's funny that Dan doesn't seem to care much about this rat that he named after his mom. <laughs>
1: right. Oh, my God. I know.
0: I'm like, is this just like... Uh, do you okay. name every rat Eloise? <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe? Is all of them named Eloise or what's going on here? And what's fun also is that the sister episode of The Constant, The Variable, is Dan's only like standalone episode that's all his. Huh. And it's like one of my favorite episodes. It's the one where... Oh my god. It's the one where he goes and tries to meet his mom in the past and then she kills him. And then it turns out that she knew her whole life before she even had him because she's literally pregnant with him when she kills him in the 70s. And then she has to go her whole life knowing that she has to like send him to this island because that's how time works. God. Oh, Oh my god. Anyway. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ben's double agent is the one who opens the door. Uh, it's Michael. Like, sometimes I don't even write spoilers because it's just like a main plot point that everybody <laughs> knows, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I'm not sure if that's necessary to say, but it's Michael who opens that door. Charles Widmore is here trying to buy the Black Rock ledger because he cares about the island, because he used to live on the island, because he's trying to get back to the island and that's why he has the freighter, etc. So Charles Widmore is like big island guy and we sort of get the, I wouldn't say beginnings, but like uh, another clue into that this episode
1: oh definitely Mm -hmm.
0: also i'm sure that charles knows that richard was on the black rock too. So I wonder if he wants to look in it to see if it says anything about Richard. I don't know. But I'm sure Charles knew that he was on there. Oh, yeah. uh, Charles Woodmore hates Desmond. And that's why in The Flash Sideways, when we see Desmond and Charles Woodmore so like close and friendly, that's why it's so like meaningful. Yeah. And that's another thing is like when we see like Minkowski is also in The Flash Sideways and he's like Desmond's driver. Like Charles Woodmore hired him to be Desmond's driver, which is so cute. (laughs) I love seeing Minkowski. Okay, on Lostpedia, it said both Minkowski and Regina were only heard over the phone for three episodes. And then died mysteriously in their first actual episode appearances. So huh. we heard Minkowski for three episodes, and then the first time we see him, he dies. And then in the future, I can't remember if it's the next episode or the episode after that, Regina, having we've heard her over the phone a couple of times now, and then she dies in, the first time we see her Oh. in an upcoming episode. Hmm. Weird. They promise to find each other and say that they won't give up, and they do at the end of the season, and it's beautiful. Oh, I love that episode too. Yeah. Like, he just scales the boat to go get her. Oh. Oh my gosh. And then like that, I always talk about this, but that shot where he runs down that hallway Mm -hmm. and it's like a really small like little hallway that he's just running down. Oh, so good. Love it. Yeah, that kiss, top tier. Yeah, 100%. Yeah good stuff (laughs) here's the last uh one that i have and then we have a little theory that my that our good friend and friend of the pod maria sent that we're going to talk about real quick but so dan writes in his journal that if anything goes wrong his constant will be des and it feels like foreshadowing but it's not (laughs) you know like they don't that this doesn't he doesn't need a constant it doesn't happen and all this stuff about like the physics and stuff and the faraday constant is why it's so cool that faraday's episode is called the the variable uh when faraday has a constant named after him it's like subverts that that it's called the variable which is cool. Huh. Last thing I have uh, on the Lostpedia, it said, according to the audio commentary on the season four DVD, the final scene in this uh, episode was supposed to involve Charlotte approaching Daniel with a bag containing the gas masks, which uh, sets up the events of next episode. But due to the dramatic and emotional impact of the scenes preceding it, they decided that Daniel reading about Desmond in his journal was enough of a cliffhanger to end the episode. And I completely agree. I think it would have, it would have been really out of place to have Charlotte show up and be like, set up for next episode.
3: Right. Right. That would have
0: been weird, so... I think that was a good idea. It's enough of a like it's enough to think about without also having to like it's it's nice to just sit with what happened in this episode. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. So now a uh, a theory that Maria sent, let me grab real quick, which I thought was really interesting. It is a theory that is um important for the end of this season. Uh, it is regarding Sawyer jumping out of the helicopter. Hmm. And, uh, this is a friend of Maria's who said that we could, Maria basically asked if we could talk about it on the podcast. And her friend said, as long as we gave credit, then we could do it. So great. Um, this is from at Stonehearting on, um, Twitter. And it is a theory about why Sawyer actually jumped. Later. We see Kate has a theory for why he jumped and Cassidy has a reason for why, uh, sawyer jumped but this person has an idea that is uh, different from both of those things okay so this person says they're a big cassidy fan it is kate who leaves the island twice and not sawyer so it's kate who gets to reunite with cassidy one of the two people who are like kate and sawyer are the only two who like actively knew cassidy in flashbacks said uh, cassidy judges well for someone who doesn't have have the ins and outs of people's lives completely worked out she is not completely accurate when assessing situations in terms of the events themselves but there's an emotional awareness she has toward others This is why Cassidy's subdued reaction to Sawyer's helicopter jump is so fascinating. Was Sawyer jumping out of the helicopter this brave, noble, even romantic sacrifice, as Kate suggests? No. Cassidy gives the answer that um, he did it to get away from Kate because he avoids responsibility and commitment, and that's why he refused to acknowledge his own daughter at the beginning of season three. So if Cassidy is wrong... Uh, Why is this person saying that she's got the right idea as an emotional component? So they want to bring up this scene from season three where Juliet first meets the other survivors and basically just absolutely destroys Saeed and Sawyer on their morally superior hypocrisy (laughs) um, when they target her. Um, She calls out their dirty pasts with the seemingly ubiquitous other-laden intel of the survivors' pre-crash lives. Yeah. But of all things, Juliet recalls Sawyer's cold-blooded killing of the American shrimp-selling guy in Australia, Frank Duckett, the night before he got on the plane, which is in season one. So why is this a big deal? It's because it's the night before he got on the plane, so that's important. And they also say that this episode where Juliet spills all of this is before we get any indication about post-crash anything and before all of the answers about the others are revealed. The minor exception is Penny in the season two finale and this same episode where Juliet confronts Said and Sawyer is the same episode we get an update on Rachel's cancer remission which Ben allegedly cured which is what we're showing a loved one's life post island entrapment. So it's relevant because it makes the theory sound less crazy when you recontextualize this scene from this point of view. The knowledge Juliet has of Sawyer is post island crash intel which means Sawyer's murder of Frank Duckett Became public record, meaning he would be on trial for murder. Mm-hmm. If Sawyer left the island, he would be wanted for murder just like Kate. Oh. The case is closed because Sawyer is legally deceased, and Frank Duckett's family rests well knowing their loved one's killer died in a plane crash literally the next day. It makes perfect sense that the others who lied that they couldn't leave the island after seeing the sky change color, were off island and gaining intel about the tragic dead victims of a plane crash during seasons one to three. So many things that probably came out about the the survivors that we don't even know about. Mm-hmm. So that's why Cassidy is somewhat right, because it wasn't, but it wasn't about committing to Kate, it was about committing to himself. He wasn't able to achieve this until he ironically spent three years dating slash falling in love with the woman who exposed him for the aforementioned cold-blooded killing, Juliette insane. And that's not to say it was his sole motivation because I'm sure that he didn't really want to have to worry about being a fugitive. But Cassidy calling him a coward, going back to Cassidy being emotionally correct, situationally incorrect, they basically are pretty sure that that is the reason why he jumped out of the helicopter. And it also leaves the finale about how Sawyer leaves the island even more interesting, especially because, as stated last episode, Kate fully violates her parole in uh, Eggtown. They're like, you can't leave the state. And she's like, okay, and gets on a plane to Guam. (laughs) So both of them are kind of in uh, in trouble there. But yeah, yeah I, uh, I hope that made sense. If you guys want to check it out, you guys should go and uh, look at the, the thread, uh, which included gifts and pictures and stuff like that, at Stonehearting on Twitter. Um, it was tweeted on March 4th, 2023. If you guys need to go and check that out, if you want to. I hope that made sense. But either way, I completely, I think that's a really, really good theory and totally has legs.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree.
0: And that's that. Nope. <laughs> so thanks to Maria for sending that and thanks to um, her friend for allowing us to talk about it. I I think it's pretty good and I'm excited to talk about the finale where we can take a look at that a little bit closer.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, you guys. Well, um, thanks for listening to this extremely uh, big episode. I was really excited to finally get to record this with you guys. Thanks to Casey and Sam for talking to me. Hell yeah. Oh, what a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having <laughs> me on the probably most envied episode of this podcast. True. Dude, I had a lot of people be like, is the constant taken? And I'm like, yeah, you think the constant isn't taken? Yeah, it's come taken. On, it's come on. come on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for being a great guest for it. Um, and you guys can check out where you can follow us as well as the aficionados all in the description. Find our Patreon in there. And um, thanks so much for listening. And we love you. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. All that and you're not going to write it
2: down.